Albuquerque's macro aggression. Eddie Aragon, the rock of talk. This Wednesday afternoon, I'm Eddie Aragon, The Rock of Talk on AM 600, KIVABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com, 550-5500. Not able to stream, not sure why uh, we're not going out on Roku TV, Amazon Fire, and Apple TV, but uh, we'll fix that. I guess something got disconnected uh, in the rigmarole, but uh, you can always catch us uh, directly on those apps. So much to get to here today, and we've got... uh, Hour one, a lot of fun. Uh, of course, D-Dowd, Muska, and I. And uh, Dowd, I, I got to check to see whether or not he can even hear me. Dowd, can you hear me? I can hear you uh, coming in five by five, sir. All right. Sounds good. I'm glad to hear that because we have uh, Louis Sanchez, Congressional District Number 1 candidates here in studio. Wow. Uh, yeah, there he is. So he's going to go ahead and jump in. Uh, but, but I thought maybe before we uh, do that, I don't know if we should do this uh, before or after. We've been waiting to get to the answers from the uh, CD1 candidates, and uh, he happened to stop in today. So I thought we'd give him a, a chance to do a quick interview uh, or two or three uh, minutes before we get into our grading of him and his answers. He uh, will be on this uh, radio station uh, doing his – and I got to say, I mean, it's very good. Uh, you know, Louis is a genuine guy. He is somebody who cares deeply about the state of New Mexico as well as the – City of Albuquerque and Congressional District Number 1, although that's expanded to uh, Rio Doso and some of the other areas, including, I guess, Roswell. How in the hell is CD1 even in Roswell? But there you go. The world will never know, including the number of licks to get to the center of a Tootsie Roll. Tootsie Pop, uh, there you go. Uh, I got to say, to all you lovers of the Rock of Talk, we appreciate you. We thank you. Thank you for keeping the faith. To all you haters of the Rock and Talk, find another radio station. We don't mind. Uh, if you want to go ahead and champion corporate radio, if you want to champion uh, someone who's going to give you a dollar a holler and try to undersell us, uh, people come to us for our opinions, our level of professionalism, I think, in terms of what we end. Uh, I think our honesty uh, and our wherewithal uh, when it comes to bringing it to the table. We participate in the public forums. I've run for mayor. I've run for CD1. I've also run for mayor of the city of Albuquerque. D-Dowd Muska has been at this for nearly 30 years. If you want to be stupid, you can go ahead and, uh, you know, uh, guy get on with some shock jock somewhere else, and uh, we're happy with that. We do not mind. Uh, we are totally on board uh, with you every step of the way. Um, it sucks to be right all the time. It sucks to actually look uh, at the world with, uh, you know, when you got the real Grandy Foundation literally chasing its old employee in D-Dowd Muska and his opinions <laughs> Day after day, week after week, and when you have the Bernalillo County Republican Party as well as the state Republican Party chasing me and my opinions, you know to come here, you know that we're the treadmill and we bring all that information uh, directly to you. So do you want to do the interview or do you want to do the uh, grades on the responses first, E. Dowd Muska? Well, let's not make our friend Louis, uh, Louis wait. Let's go to the, the man himself, and uh, I will take this opportunity to thank him for getting back to us on our answers. His opponent, I will add in fairness, also got back to us. Uh, folks, this information, we asked 10 questions of both candidates. It's available at rockoftalk.chat. But, uh, Eddie, let's not be rude. Let's go to the man himself. Oh, there he is, Louis Sanchez, CD1 Congressional District Number 1 candidate and a new Newly expanded district. Louis, thanks for coming into the Kiva. How are you? I am fantastic. Thank you guys for having me on. I really appreciate it. And Dowd, how are you? It's always good to talk with you. And tell your mom I said hello. Yeah, I will do that. She's probably listening right now. And uh, Louis, if you uh, if you prevail on June 7th, we're going to see if we can get uh, 
Sharon uh, Dowd Muska out here, uh, and uh, maybe she'll do some door-to-door knocking for you. <laughs> well, that would be fantastic. And, you know, and I really appreciated the survey, too. I thought they were um, really thought-out questions. Um, I mean, they really were. They were thoughtful, they were insightful, and, you know, and it made you think, too, and, uh, which is great because uh, I was actually going over a lot of the blunders that we have in the budget and what U.S. taxpayers are asked to pay for that we never see any benefit from. So, sure. It was just kind of apropos that I was actually studying because I feel well, Louis, like. Well, Louis, Louis, I got to yes. interrupt you. Did you did you feel that you were targeted by any of the questions? I know that was a big concern of one of our gubernatorial candidates a couple of weeks back. Did you did you feel that you were being unfairly singled out? Did you feel like you were being Rebecca Dowd? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I didn't. In you, you know, usually, uh, you know, if somebody wants to single me out, the the first question they always ask me is about guns. It's always about guns. And so, no, I thought they were fair questions. And I thought that, you know, this is something that we should be thinking about if we're going to be running for federal office. We have to because and especially um, with, uh, you know, the budget and the out of control deficit that we have and just, you know, the uh, climate change, which I, I, I find interesting that it's not called global, global warming anymore. It's climate change now. And so. You know, I think that we as congressional candidates or any federal candidate or even state candidates, that we should be up to date and actually know what we're talking about. And we should be, um, you know, rather than just talking about things uh, or just guessing on answers, we ought to go and investigate it and actually form valued opinions. So, no, I I liked them, Dowd. Great job. (laughs) All right. Dowd came up with the questions and I'll come up with the criticism. Uh, do you want me to interview Louie and then uh, next break, we, you and I can kind of go through all the questions just to keep it fair. And, you know, Michelle yeah. Garcia-Holmes is welcome to go ahead and come to the Kiva, although she probably won't. I'd be, my question for Michelle Garcia-Holmes would be, why did you support Manny Gonzalez for mayor of Albuquerque? Uh, I think that would probably be like, why would a Republican, uh, you know, support a Democrat? And of course, her answer would be, well, I was chief of staff for Gary King, who, of course, let Jeffrey Epstein off the hook during Bill, uh, Bill Richardson's administration. I think we can kind of, kind of start there. And if anything that I'm saying is uh, inaccurate, please let me know, Dow. Did anything that I just say inaccurate at all? Uh, no, and, and for the record, when we posted the answers from both of these candidates, uh, I flipped a coin as to who would start first. Okay. And we we varied, uh, you know, we'd have Louis go and then uh, Michelle Garcia Holmes, then we'd start with Michelle Garcia Holmes on on the next question, then Louie and backwards, you know, along that pattern back and forth so that nobody got any kind of preference. And I've heard nothing from either campaign that I that I modified any of their answers. I just did a simple cut and paste so people can see exactly what their potential candidate that they're voting for, how they responded to those 10 questions. Okay. Uh, Just in all fairness, uh, so bias is uh, completely uh, out there. And so people know. I completely dislike Michelle Garcia Holmes. I completely dislike Janice Arnold Jones. That's well within my right uh, as a voter. I would never vote for either one of those. But if it's voting for either one of those two people ahead of Melanie Stansbury, I'd do it every single time. But I will not even lift so much as a fingernail to help them uh, beyond what I've already done. I think there's a controlled opposition within the party. Uh, People who have operated as Democrats within the party deserve no place, in my opinion, in the Republican uh, party ticket, and uh, that's uh, that's my story, and I'm sticking to it. And you can take me at my word. Uh, some people can call me Mr. Irrelevant or that I have uh, sour grapes. Uh, I think I'm the one person who's probably been right just about everything and every step of the way. And having recently just come from Washington, D.C., uh, Louis Sanchez, I have pretty good instincts on all of this, and that's where you want to go, and that's a swamp, and 
you know, the idea would be to try and stay clean while you are there. So I hope uh, if you are elected, you were able to go ahead and do that. Uh, we hate the, um, <clears throat> the mud baths that are taken there. Uh, by the swamp dwellers, and there are many of them. So you have uh, worked in Washington, D.C., right? Oh, yes. Yeah, so I was an intern for Senator Domenici, worked in Washington, D.C. for the senator in the USDA right out of college. And trust me, I see how the swamp going. I remember um, one time, Eddie, talking about the swamp, I was, uh, as you all know, I'm in the medical field, but one time I was on the subway going back from the Dirksen building, as you know, to the Capitol, underground subways. and so I just love D.C. I got to say, it's just... (laughs) It's so organized. It's just all set up. I, oh, I, I love it. Well, and you remember right outside the cloakrooms, too, there's all these desks and, and offices where lobbyists can meet on our representatives. And I remember asking uh, Senator Simpson, <clears throat> who was from Illinois, they were starting to build the Sunshine Act against doctors, you know, taking lunches and trips and such like that. And I, and I just asked them, you know, not working in the medical field at the time. It's like, well, I go, I don't understand this this bill. And he goes, well, we don't want... Uh, doctors making medical decisions because somebody is buying them lunch or providing them, you know, donuts or, you know, dinner or, or taking them on trips to speak. And I was like, well, Senator, we have all these offices and desks where lobbyists sit right outside the uh, Democrat and the Republican cloakrooms, I mean, the whole time. And he literally looked me right in the eye and said, you know, Louie, what you don't understand, you're young. He goes, is that we're above that. You know, that, yeah, nothing the lobbyists do or offers um, influence our decisions, which I think we all know isn't true. So, you know, but that's, but that's the thinking in D.C. That's why it truly is a swamp. Um, we've lost all common sense. And, you know, it's just, an, shoot, I'll just go after Melanie Stansberry. When she starts talking about, you know, kids or small businesses, I think it's pretty, you know, it's pretty bold of her to tell us how to run a small business when she's never even put her own money into a small business or ran one. You know, she's never signed an SBA loan or had to worry about insurance or capital outlay or, you know, trying to generate your budgets for the year or, or even signing a paycheck or, you know, she tells us how to indoctrinate our kids, but she doesn't have any. So, but that's Washington, D.C. So I'm hoping to take a fresh perspective and I really just want to name my campaign common sense because it's, I think somebody needs to go up there with it. You're a businessman. You own, uh, or you're a partial owner uh-huh. of a company called Calibers. Yes, sir. Uh, you also operate uh, within the private realm. Uh, you were not a government bureaucrat. You did not work uh, for the government. Uh, I believe that your opponent in the primary has worked in that capacity, serving, quote unquote, serving at at the uh, at the pleasure of our city, uh, in our state. Our city being a uh, a, a police officer, and then at our state in terms of uh, being a civil servant and as the chief of staff of, of uh, Gary King, I believe, yeah, yep. uh, former Attorney General uh, Gary King. Uh, have you done everything, as just like I asked Rebecca Dow, she basically just read off her tax return to me directly uh, on air. Uh, tell me where you have made your money, what you've done, and uh, why you're the right fit for the job. Well, um, I, it's almost like a uh, an old TV commercial, you know. I, di- I did it the... You know, I think I did it the right way, and I did, and I did it with a lot of hard work. Um, you know, and I know it kind of sounds like a TV commercial, but I just kept trying to grab for the next rung on the ladder. That's what I did. Um, when I when I left DC and came back here, I um, I knew I wanted to get into the medical field, and so I started off uh, the way most people do at the bottom. So I started off being a sales rep for Gallo Wines because uh, they teach you how to sell really well. And so I was covering the southern part of the state in Albuquerque and paid my dues and was able to get into a, a medical job. 
and uh, started, geez, over 28 years ago, uh, covering all the hospitals in in New Mexico. And then, of course, when you get into the first-time jobs, you always travel a lot. So I, uh, luckily, my wife was so supportive. I covered all the way down to El Paso, up to Grand Junction, Colorado. And, you know, we just saved. And we saved and saved and we invested. And uh, there was an opportunity to get into Calibers. And um, I love the business model. And I am always been a huge second proponent of the Second Amendment. And so we did it that way. And we took a chance. As you know, you own your own business. Uh, nothing's for sure. And sometimes you sit up at night looking at bank statements or when you have to put your name on a contract and you take a chance on New Mexicans that you will provide a product that they will want to purchase or utilize. Mm-hmm. And that's how we did it. I did it the old-fashioned way. We saved a lot of money and... Um, you know, shoot, I could just go on and on, Eddie, you know, no, I think about, it's about good. how you do it. Yeah, that is how you do it. And you don't do it by um, uh, getting, uh, uh, I believe, you know, a pension, uh, you know, uh, your government uh, money. Doubt it. Nice money if you can get it, uh, certainly. Oh, yeah. for that. But we like our politicians for people who have made their money uh, on their own. Full disclosure, I don't do a single contract for anybody that's on the radio station. Uh, for anybody that buys advertising on the radio station. So you did say that uh, contracts, the only contracts I sign are for the people that uh, provide the radio content of uh, Sean Hannity, Glenn Beck, et cetera, et cetera, of which we have a contractual uh, obligation. We're here with Louis Sanchez, Congressional District Number 1 candidate. Why did you decide to run for this position? I ran for it last time, uh, full disclosure, again to our wonderful audience here in the Kiva. I believe I told you, Louis, this isn't your race uh, when it was the... Um, CD1 race, you stepped aside being a team player that you were and uh, said, yeah, Eddie, you just go ahead and run for it. This wasn't the time. There was a lot going on with you uh, last year, and I decided yes. to go ahead and run. And then the Republican Party itself inserted um, Mark Moores into the uh, you know right. um, uh, uh, race there at the very end. And uh, I just want to kind of uh, give you kudos for being a team player. How come there's not more team uh, or, or camaraderie, if you will, amongst us Republicans in, uh, in playing politics that way. I think you made the right move, and I certainly am making the right move here by uh, you know, really kind of uh, getting behind you and in, in your uh, candidacy, which I think is exciting. We shouldn't even be having a primary. Michelle Garcia-Holmes has run how many times, Dowd? For how many Three. different? Yeah, it's been a lot. So you know, you're going to have to actually expend resources for somebody who has been tested and uh, uh, tried and never approved uh, by the Republican uh, voters in the establishment. So yeah. Um, so what? What? It, well, no, it's four because she ran for mayor, lieutenant governor, CD one. Now CD one again, and then she almost got into the race with you, but what, she had no support what, on that what, one. Which one? Uh, in the special election, remember she was. Uh, was she trying to get into that one too? Yep. Oh, boy. Well, how many times can you mortgage a house to go ahead and run <laughs> a uh, political candidacy? I mean, it's an embarrassment. It it. She is a complete and total disgrace and embarrassment as far as I'm concerned. But uh, all that being aside, uh, Michelle Garcia-Holmes, you're more than welcome to come here on our radio station. After all, I did endorse you for CD1. Um, your thoughts on uh, Republicans working together, uh, Louis? Well, I think that's actually that's a great topic, Eddie, because uh, as you guys know, when I, I did run for Senate, um, but I made a promise to everybody if I didn't finish in the top two, I wouldn't split the vote. Because and you didn't. I didn't. And, you know, I had so much support to keep going and we had the signatures, but I, I couldn't do it because I, you know, it's really easy for us to stand on a podium and give a speech and make all these promises. Right. And I just felt somebody need to be the adult in the room and we need to quit 
tearing ourselves apart as a party. You know, there, enough of that's going to come in the general that we're going to have so much opposition against us. Yep, and I just, I just think for once we need to stick together as conservatives. And I thought that was the right thing to do. Um, you have such great name recognition. In fact, we should call you Louis two times because uh, <laughs> your name is two times and both on the Democrat and the Republican. Right. In fact, I doubt, I think that's what we should refer to Louis Sanchez is yeah, just vote for Louis Sanchez. I don't know the Democrat, the Republican, just vote for any Louis Sanchez. He's going to go get the papers. Get hey, the papers. Uh, Louis two times. I knew that uh, Louis was two times. The papers, the papers. <laughs> but you know, it was the right thing to do. And even in the special election, you and I had talked and, and Eddie, I, you know, I, I thought you had a fantastic chance of, of taking out Melanie Stansberry and, and, and I just think that we need to work, you know, closer together and quit tearing each other apart. We, mm. we have such great ideas. And as I said before, we know it's, you know, we know it's not our message. Our message works. Uh, it worked during Reagan. The country was thriving and people's income thrived and there was jobs. And Trump, whether you liked him or not, the same thing. We had, what, seven million more jobs and we had people to fill it. Um, the country was thriving again. Would you and, take a Trump endorsement given what you saw yesterday? Um. You know, I would. Uh, I, I, you know, it's it's interesting. I, I get asked about this a lot, like with the president, and and as I've told reporters too. It, you know, the difference between it seems to be between conservatives and progressives is that back in 2016, no Democrat would ever consider, you know, oh, he's not my president, he's not my president, this and that. Well, um, you know, the interesting thing is is conservatives, yeah, they'll complain about it, but they still show respect to the office, and I I think that's what we've lost um, in this country. Uh, you know, yes, when Obama was president, I didn't like his policies. I didn't like what, what was happening, but he was still our elected president. And I, and I think that's what we've got away from, you know, the fact there were the, you know, even the media. I mean, what was it? I know you know the facts better than I do, but I think 90% of all stories were negative against Trump. I don't even know. Yeah, I think it was, it was probably more, it felt more than that. Right. More than that. Yeah. And I mean, with all due respect to Trump, I mean, I, the last thing I want him to do is to be in the White House. Um, you know, going forward, just because I think he poses such a huge liability in so many ways. But uh, the very first thing is he got cheated, uh, mistreated. You know, when will he be Absolutely. loved? Never. Uh, just for the people that, uh, of course, loved him during his presidency. He was the greatest president in the history of this country yeah. right up until March 13th, 2020. And at that point, uh, when he handed the keys over uh, to Burks and Fauci and then uh, compounded that with a $6 trillion bailout, uh, he went from, you know, it's a wild swing from best to worst. Uh, yeah. In, uh, in no time. That's not the type of liability we need. Would you have voted for the $6 trillion bailout knowing what you don't know now? No, no. And especially because only, I don't even think, what is 9% actually went to uh, to the American public. And it's just, you know, it, um, when Dow sent these questions that I said, it's kind of apropos because I was actually looking at government waste yeah. and what happens. And the fact that earmarks are now back in, it's, um, you know, we're spending trillions and trillions and trillions of dollars. And if it's for real infrastructure, I don't yeah. think anybody wants bad roads. Right. You know, we're, we're all for it. But yeah, I'm, I'm for bad roads. Yeah. Vote for me. Yeah, exactly zero people. You know, but and what, I'm anti-children. Yes. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. But, you know, when you have... Uh, and I want everybody to die from COVID. Yeah, yeah. Hundreds of million dollars going to the Kennedy Center, you know, or hundred million dollars going to parks by Nancy Pelosi's home. You know, that's a, that. those are political favors. And and it's interesting because, as I said before, we have people who have never ran small businesses, have never been in uh, business. They've collected a government paycheck their whole lives, but yet mm. they're going to tell us how to run our business. Yeah. 
you know, or uh, the same thing that's going on with CRT right now. Oh, it's great for the kids, and they need to know this and that. Well, wait, wait, who said it's great for the kids? Right. I'd like to exactly. even know one Democrat who says CRT is great for the kids. They don't even acknowledge that it exists. And it, but but you know but but if you say anything bad about it, then all then all of a sudden you hate kids and you're a racist. And I and I don't think that's true. You know, are you I, a racist, Louis? No, I'm not a racist. Okay. Uh, well, I want to make sure because <laughs> as a Republican, as Sanchez, uh, oh, you, you can be anything. But we're here with Louis Sanchez. Your website, Louis? It is SanchezForNewMexico.com. How's that, it been on the campaign trail? Tell me about fundraising. It's actually been fantastic. Our fundraising was was good. Again, we have, uh, you know, we came in at over 150000 which is great uh, considering we had a primary. That's not person. a lot of money, Louis. No, it's but not. But how much does your opponent have? Uh, she had what, um, what a hundred, she took out a hundred thousand dollar loan on her That's house. That's not money, so Louie. How much of, did she actually raise? Uh, 20,000 in nine months. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That's not very good. No. And yeah, we can't do anything with that. That's no. like, uh, well, it is more than Ethel Maharge, <laughs> less than Jay Block, but, uh, I, I tried to talk to Ethel. I did. And I, you know, and yeah. I, I think she's a nice person yeah. and I, I tried to tell cause you know, the reason I called her too is to tell her that she could do so much good in this party, but why is she still in the race? And sometimes we have to put our pride. Did aside. God at any point like, speak to you, Louis? Sorry for interrupting. Oh. Did God at any point speak to you and tell you to run for Congress? Um, I would say, I wouldn't say God spoke to me. We prayed a lot and okay. that's the truth. Yeah. My wife okay. and I prayed about this, met with our pastor and we think that this is the right path for us. And this is God's path for us. And that's why we're in this. All right. I, I can go with that. I like that striking that right in the middle. D Dowd must go so many times. Yep. It did. It appears that many of our candidates here in the Republican party have a direct line to Jesus or God himself. They just like pick up the phone line. It's like, God's telling me to stay in the race. God's telling me, you know, you see a lot of this. They, they, they feel like, that's sort of this uh, manifest destiny ploy of the uh, 1500s, if you will. <laughs> well, and, and, you know, Eddie, you know, and I do call myself a man of faith, but I'll, I'll say the same thing. I've told some of these candidates, you know, and they say, well, it's God's path. And I just tell them, are you sure it's God's path or is it your path? Yeah. Because there, there's a big difference, you know, and sometimes, as I said, we have to put our ego aside. Yeah. Trust me, I'd have loved to have stayed in the race last time, but I had to put my ego aside because I, you know, I thought we needed at that point just to focus on one candidate mm -hmm. to go against uh, Ben Ray Lujan. Yeah. And so, and it didn't work out. And you know what? I truly feel that this is our race to lose. We have so much wind at our sails right now. The, um, you know, just with our volunteers that, that, that we have coming to, uh, and now I have an office. Which is really cool. Hey, there yeah. we go. Uh, where's that? Where are you officing? That's all fancy, fancy. Uh, yeah. So we have an office uh, over there at our at my Caliber's uh, Cutler location. So okay. it, it's right in between the Daily Ground and our safe stores. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's kind of nice to actually is have that a place. FEC compliant. Did you check whether Absolutely. or not you could have? Okay. Absolutely, it sure. is because I'm actually paying rent. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just want to be sure, you know. And I'm yeah. paying average market rate for rent too, which oh. is good. There you go. Yes. I like that. Didn't get the leg up deal that uh, you nope. normally get. Okay. Can't do it. All right. Uh, very quickly, let's touch on a couple of issues. Um, that uh, Before we do that, let's just talk about sort of the personalities out there. Do you know who Marjorie Taylor Greene is? Yes, I do. What do you think of her? I like her. I do. How you, much? Uh, you know, I don't know how much. Uh, I like the fact that, that she says what's on her mind. Okay. And and she doesn't hold back, which is interesting. She's not politically correct, which I really like also. You will you be similar will you be more like Marjorie Taylor Green uh Marjorie Taylor Green or uh is there another congressman that you'll like Jim a Jordan. Jim Jordan? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Wow, did you just manifest that into my head? That's a popular <laughs> thing going on. You know, I, 
the reason I say re, reason I say Representative Jordan is, is because you know he's he does his research. Um, what he says is the truth, but he's not afraid to back down. Okay, and I love that. And he's not worried about being politically correct or if he's going to get attacked by the progressives. And and you know, and I have to say is it is progressives. They're not Democrats anymore. It's yeah. um, and j- just real quick, and I know that because. I was at the South Valley Pride event um, a couple of weeks ago down there in. They have uh, Pride in South Valley. Darn tootin'. Yeah, we're. Wow, in, yeah. look at that. We, we got in, some Pride. We're in Five Points. They represent. <clears throat> I know. I had to tell everybody I was from San Juan, but they, we, do they we even know where five that's points. at? Yeah, they actually yeah. I know where Five Points and San Juan is. <laughs> we're actually in San Juan. <laughs> I know. Yeah, just a, a little bit outside. You know? oh, well, uh, well, yeah, well, because we're about a mile from South Broadway. So, yeah, uh, yeah Martinez Town, Five well, Points. Uh, that's where my signal is. My stick is over there. <laughs> Coming out of the ground is blasting through Albuquerque. Burke, bro. Well, I'll tell you, and it was interesting because, you know, with uh, my signs say Sanchez for Congress. And talking to so many, so many people, and it was probably 90% Hispanic down there. And, you know, and they said the truth. It's like, we don't care if you're Republican or Democrat. We're tired wow. of paying $4 for a gallon of gas, $10 for yeah. bacon. It's like, this is just ridiculous. And this isn't the Democrat party that we voted for. We don't know what party this is anymore. And wow. honestly, I probably gave away 30, 30 um, yard signs down there just because they're, they're, they, they want change and they're tired of being used as tools by the Democrat Party. And I got the, I, that was told to me time after time. Maybe after you could run again. on that slogan. No more $10 chicharrones. Uh, right? I, I like chicharrones, though. I do, too. That's so good. <laughs> Dang, it's good. Uh, we haven't had our matanzas in, uh, in some time. All right. Uh, let's just talk about, uh, the abortion Roe v. Wade, where you're at. Obviously it's not a litmus test. You're Republican. We know you're pro-life, but, yes. uh, you know, this has got, I mean, I was there yesterday on the Hill in front of the Supreme court. It's about 150 people who were actually there. Uh, I was, uh, riding around on this, scootering around, uh, having a good time and checking out everything. And by the way, you should know what's at the top of the reflecting pool. Does anybody know what's at the top of the reflecting pool? Uh, well, it's a Republican. His name, Abraham Lincoln. Oh, That's right. Oh, uh, I, well, we we rule yes. Washington D.C. We just haven't uh, the great emancipator, I believe. Uh, yes, yeah, so, well, yeah, it there goes from go. it goes from Lincoln straight to the Capitol. So. There you go, straight to the Capitol. But exactly. you know, uh, on the Roe v. Wade, how big of a deal is that during this midterm election? You know, I think it's going to be huge, and I know that really? De- yeah, the Democrats are going to make it huge. Um, and you know, how do we win on that in a uh, baby killing state? Well, we are a baby-killing state. You know, over 5,000 abortions go on and late-term abortions go on a year here in New Mexico. And we actually have buses bringing in people from out of state. Buses? And, well, it, because we're one of the only states that actually does late-term abortions, you know, all the way up to the day of birth. It's just amazing. And and Roe versus Wade, if you actually look how it's written, it was never written to be birth control, ever. And Roe actually said that, too. It was never meant to do that. And you know, and I'm a big proponent that if you're going to scream at the top of your lungs, my body, my choice, well, guess what? It should have been the same way for vaccine mandates, too. It's your body, your choice of what you want to put in your body. So, you know, you can't have one without the other. And that's what I'm saying. And I am pro-life. You know, I, I do. Be- and the reason I am, and everybody's like, why are you? Because I see a different side of everything. You know, I, I, I love my sons, but Doing what I've done for the last 20 years, putting in pacemakers and defibrillators, I've put pacemakers into babies with congenital heart disease. And I've seen how hard they fight and that they truly are humans. Look, I'm, I'm going to get a little emotional because this, this does get me. Because um, it's really hard to go into those ORs when you're doing that. And you see the, 
And you see the concern and the love and the worry that's on the parent's face. And for them to say that, oh, it's not a human until it's at a certain point, that's just not true. All right. So you're a moment con from conception, guys. Yes. Okay. You, you know, it's, it, I just look at this and I just, it, and I have, um, you know, I've seen these kids just fight and fight and fight. And, you know, the nice thing is I've been doing this for so long that I've actually put a pacemaker in, in, um, in a child and then been invited to their wedding. And so they, I wow. see, I see the humanity of it and I see the love that these parents give them and that they are, that they are worth fighting for. So, you know what, that's my stand and I'm sticking to it and I'm, and I don't vary on that. I don't. All right. Uh, uh very quickly, organizationally, um, uh, and before we go, uh, how are you, uh, handling things going forward? Early voting starts when? It starts, uh, May 10th. May 10th. Yes. Next, next Monday. Is that correct? Yeah. So we're asking to please go out and vote, uh, you know, um, if, if you like me, great, then please go vote and have your friends vote. This is the time we can actually take this state back and we can take this country back. But if we're the, as I've heard you and Dow talk about this, if, if everybody and if we continue to beat the state of mañana, I'll do it tomorrow and, or nobody ever cares. No, it does matter. It does. And, you know, if we're not the state of mañana anymore, we have same day voting. You can just show up. Oh, well, that and, is true. Hey, I'm here. I'm ready to vote. <laughs> no, I'm talking about people's attitudes. Yeah. <laughs> so, all right. You know, or yeah, don't be like my father was. It's, ah, it doesn't matter. They all they all act the same. Well, no, there's it does, a lot it of does that. matter. There's I know. A, there's a lot of that. Uh, there is. Here. Um, all right. Uh, final points before we grade you against uh, Michelle Garcia Holmes and uh, your You're welcome to stay. I won't let you talk, but. Oh, no worries. You're welcome to stay to go ahead and uh, listen to the uh, responses and kind of see how I grade it. I think, uh, Dowd, you were relatively pleased uh, with my assessment and. You know, we gave Mark Ronchetti. Would you support the gubernatorial candidate no matter who it is? Yes. Okay, that's good. It, which is interesting because I, and as you know, I usually don't talk about yeah. my competitor, but that is. Well, you don't thing. need to talk about the gubernatorial race. Well, well, you know, I think if you're going to be in this race and you call yourself a Republican, then mm -hmm. if you lose a primary, then you know what? Then, then then have the same tenacity and the and the fight in you to actually support the person that was that won the primary. Yeah. And I think we all need to do that. And you know, my competitor one time and. This, um, East Mountains, she was asked, and I said, yes, I'd support her. You know, I supported her two years ago when she ran. Um, yeah. And she just said, no, she, she would concentrate on other races, which I think says wow. a lot about somebody. And, I, and that's how we get in trouble, and that's how we lose races. That's terrible. All right, we'll do the assessment uh, when we return. Uh, Dowd, uh, take uh, some questions for Louie. I know you have them. Oh, <laughs> where am I going to go? Louie, I... I uh, Maybe you, you you might be able to make the claim that I'm obsessed with your opponent in the general, your potential opponent in the general election. Um, the reason I'm obsessed is because I just want to know where these people come from. And I, what I what I like what I heard what you said earlier in the show. Uh, what I and, I, and I, I'm, I'm pleased to hear you criticize the incumbent. You're, it means to me that you're even looking past your primary opponent into the general, which uh, I think uh, implies a lot of confidence on your part. Um, I am a 30-year ideologue in my world doing my work, but I realize that I am not a normal person, okay? <laughs> I, I'm not married. I don't have children. Uh, I've sort of committed my life to this this philosophy and this, this uh, uh, approach, what I would consider saving civilization from collectivism. Your 
potential general election opponent is someone, and, and I describe this in the uh, in the questions, in the introduction to the question as uh, no spouse, no kids, no pets, no business experience, no hobbies, no, no professed religious beliefs. We are getting more and more of these types. I, I hesitate to say this, but it seems like more women than men, but there's plenty of men too. Um, they are just committed ideologues who have a a, 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 an unbounded thirst to control every aspect of your life. And when you, when you, when your agenda is equity and when your agenda is fighting the climate emergency, there's no part of a person's life from the moment they, they get up in the morning to, to when they make coffee, to the car they drive to work in the morning, to the, to when they come home and what they eat for dinner with their family that night, there's no part of you, Mr. and Mrs. Average American, Average New Mexican, that they don't want to tax, subsidize, or regulate in some way. And I really think that whether whether you're the nominee or whether someone else is the nominee, I, I can't stress enough that the the distinction, you know, trying to be respectful, but the distinction in thinking, in philosophy, in life experience between the incumbent and the challenger really needs to be stressed. This person is not a normal person. And this, I'm just, I'm just one of you. Uh, I'm a native New Mexican. I can relate to everyone. She is one of an army of really kook left ideologues who are getting elected more and more not just in New Mexico, but but coast to coast, and so I think there's an opening there for you or 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 the other nominee to try to draw some distinction and say um, these are the people who've gotten us into the trouble we're in. I come from a background where I bring a lot of common sense and real world experience who can say no to the to the nonsense policies that have caused us so much trouble. So uh, I I don't know if this is a question or if I'm just rambling, but I I I, I will say that I respect. You're, you're coming out right out of the gate and trying to draw, draw a distinction between you and the beloved woman I call Lonely Girl. Uh, <laughs> she doesn't have much of a life other than controlling your life. Uh, Louis actually had a life and has a life uh, beyond being a, a public official spending your money and trying to regulate your life. So, uh, Louis, your, your comments on that, maybe not specifically on who I'm talking about here, but your background grounded in reality. Well, I Actually, I think that is a good question, um, uh, the way you're putting it. There, I mean, we could be, Melanie Stansberry and myself cannot be any farther apart. Um, you know, she, I, I looked at her background and where she came at. I like it how she says, oh, I was just a common person busting tables. Well, she talks about her stepfather. She doesn't talk about her, her academic elite father, who's an adjunct professor at an Ivy League school. Every job uh -huh. she's ever had has either been with the Udall Foundation or with Heinrich, and she's always had a government job. You know, when she worked for the Obama-Biden um, administration um, in, in their climate change. And then she went straight from there and worked for the socialist senator out of Washington, D.C. She only came back to New Mexico just to run for office, which she did. And, you know, and, and the difference between her and myself, I, I guess, um, is that— I cover the state of New Mexico, and I've, and I've been up in Farmington, and I saw what happened, and I'm just using this as an example, uh, about seven years ago when Farmington lost ConocoPhillips, and they lost Halliburton, and they lost thousands of jobs. When, and Melanie's last session at the state legislature, they're going to lose 2,500 Native American jobs. And here's some lady who says that, oh, well, I majored in Native American studies, and I'm a socialist, and, and it, you know, that— um, and she was a sociology major, and she's an elitist from an Ivy League school. But when asked the questions by Rod Montoya, it's like, well, how are we going to replace these 2,500 Native American jobs? And this is her virtue signaling, you know, that where she cares so much 
And her response was, well, they can just go back to selling their jewelry and trinkets like they used to. How does somebody say that? Wow. How does somebody look Jeez. at their constituents and, you know, and then go on TV and tell everybody how much she's for equity and love? I mean, it's, and that's a, a town that has just gotten decimated, decimated by her, you know, the green agenda of losing the um, natural gas production up there. And, you know, and that's the difference with myself. I actually look at the, at the human part of it. Where are we going to replace those 2,500 jobs? And also, where are we going to replace that, that, that electrical output from when they, if they close those power plants? You know, they want, um, it's just, she and I cannot be any further apart. I've, yeah. I, I mean, I work, I get up every <clears throat> single day. And as you guys know, I still have a job. So a lot of, you know, different between myself and Melanie Stansberry, she collects a government paycheck and she gets millions of dollars from. She, she's Georgia. always collected uh, yes. some sort of nonprofit government. Uh, she's been getting uh, uh, payments from the UNM Foundation for how many years? Even when she was oh, a yeah. legislator. Well, exactly. And we know that. You know what, uh, Dowd? Uh, those lesbians, boy, they're pretty truthful about a lot of things. Uh, you might uh, laugh at the uh, thing that I'm about to say, but uh, <clears throat> I can't uh, find uh, any sort of remnants of uh, lonely girls' uh, misdirection in. You can't say that what I'm saying is slander, but uh, she is one mean lesbian. That's about all I can say about uh, her. And that's uh, that's me talking, not uh, Luis Sanchez, uh, who's here. Um, these are the things that uh, people need to know about. Oftentimes, how long have we wanted to know about Ben Ray Lujan and the fact that he's gay? We know that Ben Ray Lujan, that you are gay. We know that uh, uh, Melanie Stansberry is a lesbian. If you, I'll tell you why you can't be honest with people. And you can never be honest with people. You should exactly, you know, you all know about my life and the type of life that I've lived, the number of divorce and all these things. You can't even tell which side of the uh, of the plate that they swing from. And you want us to trust them with our votes for CD1 or U.S. Senate? Are you kidding me? Like, it's absolutely ridiculous. Is there any reason with impunity that they don't want to go ahead and uh, continue uh, their abortion rights and my body, my choice. Go look at the pink hats on the day after uh, Donald Trump got inaugurated. Who was there? It was Ben Ray Lujan and Melanie Stansberry. There, they, there you go. Uh, go ahead. Yeah. Continue, Louis. Sorry for ranting here, but <laughs> no, I think our audience deserves to know what's going on. That's not anything that anybody else would say on any other radio station here in this marketplace because they'd be too afraid of the blowback from all this kind of stuff. Well, and you know, you just look at their policies too. You know, I mean, they... I, I really don't understand. Someone needs to tell me what a Democrat socialist is, you know, and they just ought to call themselves radical socialists because everything they do, every, every time they get up and say a speech or they talk to people, it's all about, uh, you know, victimhood and moral outrage and social justice. And, and you know what people are really concerned about right now? As I said before, they're worried about, about how are they going to put gas in their, you know, in their gas tank to get to work. They're tired of paying ten dollars for bacon. I mean, I don't this- know that they're that worried about that, Louis. They're more worried about when's the next government check and how long are these government checks going to come in until they actually have to pay for their own gas. Oh. You're not paying for your own gas if you have to wait for the check at the beginning of the month, or you continue to get subsidized because you're a city, state, or local employee, or city, state, or federal employee. Right. You've been getting paid throughout this entire pandemic. Right. Yeah. And we what? And we lost forty percent of our small businesses, but yet. Melanie Stansberry never missed a paycheck. The gov- the, our governor never missed a paycheck. 
Ben Ray Lujan, Martin Heinrich, none of them ever missed paychecks. But then we had millions of New Mexicans who were standing in line to go into stores and were missing paychecks. And then, and then they're supposed to feel good. Well, well, what do you guys, you know, you guys should, should want to vote for me because I gave you money. It's like, we didn't have to go down that route. If they just used common sense and actually followed the science, which none of them did, we could have opened up this state and just saved thousands upon thousands of jobs. But like I said, we have no common sense anymore. There is none. So that's hopefully what yeah, I'm going to put that on a poster now. There you go. <laughs> I'm just going to put common sense. Yeah, common sense, Luis Sanchez. Vote for Luis Sanchez uh, in New Mexico, and uh, it will be sure to see. Do you know Luis Sanchez, the Democrat? Uh, no, no, I don't. But as I told you, uh, when he won for city council, yeah, I got a, I got so many texts saying, Hey, congratulations. I went and voted for you. Nothing like the stupid, low information, New Mexico voter, right? Uh, well, it's either that, or, you know, I'm the Louis Sanchez that stabbed those people on the road roadrunner. I'm the Louis Sanchez that has oh, four, wow. four, four DWIs and Gallup. A, really? Yeah. You've got four DWIs in Gallup? Yes. Uh, you murdered somebody on the rail runner, yes. and you're a Democrat and a Republican. Yes. You're literally every man in New Mexico. He's a man of many talents. You wow. have a lot of talent. <laughs> exactly. You know, and I don't know why. I guess I'm the first Louis Sanchez that comes up at the county clerk because, yeah, my wife and I have had to defend ourselves against, uh, like, liens on our house. And it's like, I never had a house on Virginia Street. Why, why do I have to pay for this? That's the war zone, baby. I know. What's wrong? Wait, you don't want to live in the war zone? No, why don't you just claim that just so you can get the extra I've votes lived in the, in the war, war zone. zone. I have. Yeah? I've been there. Where'd you live? Uh, let's see. So so my dad was on uh, Ralph. Uh, oh, Ralph Street. Oh, Ralph Street. <laughs> he lives over there on Ralph? No. Yeah. He's over there on Ralph. I, that, where the food truck happens over from like 9 to 11, then he gets tired. Yep. Let's see. And then we we are over there on New York Avenue. and then Oh, on, New on, York. Nueva York is always. Yeah. That's so war zone. Let's see. And then right there on John and Bell Street and then Pacific. <laughs> so, yes. Boy, We've that's been deep. There. Wow. You you know all the. I do. You know you know the hood. Yes, I do. Wow, there it is. You know, it's, it's uh, but, but actually, you know what? I still call it home because a lot of my family members are still there. So it's, you know, to me, it's just. It's no big deal for me to go down there because I'm down there a lot. You know, so we just basically thing. need to vote for a Louie or a Louie or a Louie. Any Louie will do, right? Exactly. Basically, that's what it seems like. Yeah, Any Louie. Louie will do. There we go. <laughs> we'll do that. Back after a quick break, I'll analyze, breakdown with D-Doubt Muska. Here the CD1 answers. Louie, thanks for being here. Back after a quick break. 448 back and forth. Seven Nation Army. Well, that's what it's going to take to be the Democrats here in the state of New Mexico. Don't know if you could do it. Certainly hope you're up to the task. Uh, 
How many rallies? How many gatherings? How many petitions? How many uh, things can you do before you realize you're just going to continue losing? It's got to be something else. You got to have the right solution, right tool for the job. And I don't mean tool in the uh, bad sense, but I mean tool in the good sense in that uh, you got to have actually somebody who can fix things. Louie might be that guy, Dowd. I, I got to say I'm pretty yeah. excited about uh, his candidacy. He's nice. He's like walked out of here literally like he's like, oh, well, um, yeah. When you listen to me talk and I'm right in your face and I'm telling you about Ben Ray Lujan being gay, Ben Gay Lujan, and then I'm also telling you about uh, – you know, Melanie Stansberry being a lesbian. Yeah, sue me. Let me let me see you do that. And then let me go through your backgrounds and in, in terms of the things that I know about you. I mean, when are you Republicans going to understand that these guys play for keeps? You're not going to get it by hitting them, you know, slightly above the belt and, oh, we're going to win on abortion. We're going to, you're not going to win on abortion. Don't get on this weird track Oh, this is it. Roe v. Wade. We're going to flip. No, they're going to come to New Mexico even more now to kill more babies. Stop trying to mix things up as, as if you, you guys are trying to sell yourself on stuff. Oh, Trump's coming back. I, I can feel it. He won 77 to nothing last night. Every one of his endorsed. He endorsed pretty much everybody that was going to win in the first place. And most people are tired of politics. They're literally sick of it. They have had enough. They're like, oh, I don't care about Trump or Biden or whoever else or election. They was like, no, nah, I just want to vote for the next guy. I'm going to go watch the Dinesh D'Souza movie because, of course, I like Dinesh D'Souza. Hosted an event where he was the main speaker, liked the guy, spoke with him for a good, I don't know, maybe eight, ten minutes. I was pretty happy with him. But are we really going to go through and regurgitate what happened in the 2020 election? We need to go through and go through the 2020 election to realize that you had a president that could have changed everything that happened, but decided not to? Is, is that really where you need to be on this? You need to go ahead and, and, oh, you know what? Trump, Trump for life, Trump 2024, Trump, Trump, Trump. What did Trump do? Okay. He did all the right things right up until that March 20th or the March uh, 13th day. Leave it to DeSantis. Leave it, leave it to the other people who are carrying the torch going forward. Okay. Greatest president right up until that point. Let's, let's move ahead, folks. We've got a country to save and we aren't going to save it by going to back to the way that we used to be. I wish we could go back to the way that it was. Oh, was it really that great? Two and a half years of battle. Do you remember the 2018 midterms when we got our asses handed to us and the government got shut down? He had Schumer and Pelosi literally owning Trump for a good three weeks before he brought us out of that. We were still start, shut down during that time. How about the Kavanaugh hearing? How about any of this stuff? Stop selling yourself on things were so hunky dory and absolutely unbelievable. And this is me as a Trump supporter. I just talked to Langston today and I'm telling him about all this stuff. And he's like, yep, Eddie, you're right. You're right. Yep. You're right on this stuff. Okay. You have to move ahead. You've got to move ahead. And I asked Louie about that. And the thing is, you got to move ahead with new candidates. You know how you can tell that I'm not ever going to be running for anything again? I'm literally calling your city congressmen lesbians and gays. 
Do you think I'm worried about that? Oh, they're going to come after you. Because I'm not running for anything. What are you going to come after me for? Is that some level of discrimination? I'm just telling you who they are. I have my own preference, just like they have their own preference. Not like Lady Gaga said, born this way. Certainly not. And for those of you who are taking shots at me because I'm traveling, doing things, I'm doing some good things. We're getting the word out. Dow's doing big stuff. Stop faulting us for stretching our wings. We can't do it here. You guys have clipped us everywhere from with the Republican Party and CD1 and mayor. You've clipped us everywhere. We've got to find our way outside of here. And that's what we're going to do. We're not going to stop. We're just going to do it other places, and it doesn't have to be New Mexico. That's the long and the short of it. That's about all I can say. Dowd, uh, we're going to get to those answers uh, in hour two. Uh, tell me, uh, give us a quick preview. Well, you know, obviously it's a different set of questions than than what we asked the gu- gubernatorial questions. Uh, candidates because it's obviously a different reality um and i uh, again this is, you can read them online uh, rockoftalk.chat i titled it fighting the ultimate social justice mm. warrior that would be our lonely girl uh you know as as uh, louis mentioned uh, spending was a big part of that also some foreign policy stuff uh that was really Ooh. good uh, immigration uh taxpayer funding of abortion and uh, on foreign policy not just ukraine but also taiwan there we go so we're gonna get to those answers and All it's right. meaty stuff folks meaty meaty hour two just for you right here in the kiva on am 1600 com. stay tuned Those answers coming up next. I'm Tim Berg. Albuquerque's macro-aggression, Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk. I am Eddie Aragon, the Rock of Talk, on AM 1600, KIBABQ.FM, rockoftalk.com. Hour 2 coming at you from the ABQ. I'm back, everybody. I was just at a very long haul across the country. It was just like so long. Like the the, the flights are so, but it was cool because I was in Washington, D.C., scooting around all the way around. It's like, up and down, in and out, Monument, Capitol, Supreme Court, you know, the Lincoln, the Foggy Bottom, boy, two and all. I was visiting your old haunts, uh, D-Dowd Muska. And uh, ladies and gentlemen, you can, of course, listen to the rerun of this uh, directly at rockoftalk.chat, as well as uh, on Spotify, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. But you won't get the guidance that you're going to need to navigate this mess of a show. No, it's actually pretty good, I would probably say. I, I like our shows uh, lately, and I like what we did for the national guys, and we got lots of great feedback, and they like us, and we like them, and maybe we'll be able to get together. Maybe we'll be able to make a family. Who knows what'll even happen. That'll be very exciting. Uh, D-Dowd, after 30 years of slugging it out, might might finally get uh, his uh, big break. Uh, D-Dowd and, must- and just at the same time that I was decided that the rest of my life would be retirement and taking care of dogs in Corrales. Maybe my, maybe my, my ship comes in it. <laughs> his, his, you, uh, you mean your mutters, your mutter was a mutter. Don't <laughs> oh, forget this. Goldens, yeah. yeah. Don't forget uh, your Sunday is a mutters day. And that is, and then uh Saturday, I don't know if it's going to be a mutter in the, and down the stretch they come. Oh man. Oh, 
I can tell you. You want to watch the Derby together, Dad? We could watch uh, some animals. Well, I, you know, I've never watched track. it with someone who has the knowledge you do. Oh, it would wow. be an experience. I don't know that I have a knowledge. I'm just like, uh, like listening to my dad and then the absorption. And, you know, then, of course, I absorb it. You know, I didn't even talk to him. My dad came into my neighborhood, didn't even invite me for dinner or, or lunch today at K&I Diner as I was going to uh, check out the... Uh, the broadcast. So I'm, I'm kind of upset with my dad right now, but uh, I'd love for you to come hang out with us on Saturday as we watch the uh, jockey go uh, right side on the whips down the stretch. See what the, you got a big favorite, three to one favorite there, but uh, we'll talk about that, of course. Uh, on uh, Speaking of horse races, we've got your horse right here, and there's two of them in the CD1 race. It's a uh, match race, as they would call it back in the day. It's, uh, what, what I guess uh, you'd have uh, Secretariat and what was the one you don't even remember the name of the uh, the, the the horse that went against uh, Secretariat? Do you? Oh, I was thinking you you were going to go with the one that broke the leg right out of the gate and they had to put down right away, Barbara. <laughs> oh, Barbara! No, it it, it actually uh, died after it won. Oh, okay. yeah, that's yeah. The, I think it was at. Uh, let me see if I can get this right. You're you're welcome to go ahead and look it up. Two thousand and seven, two thousand and eight campaign. I want to say is the uh, Barbara. Boy, that was legendary. Absolutely. I'm going to say, I'm going to call it 2007 on Barbaro. 2006, 2007. What, what do I got? He ran in the 2006 Kentucky. Ah, there we go. See, I'm never too far off. Just right there. Music and horse races. That's what we do. Maryland crab cakes. That's what I've been speaking of crab cakes. That's what I did in Maryland. Yeah, we had uh, some crab cakes. Oh, yes. Boy, they, they do that. Annapolis or uh, where, where'd you go? Uh, Well, Odin. Odenton, oh, you know, Odenton, very right, famous right. town of Odenton. Anne Arundel know. County, yes. Yeah, whatever that is. I don't even know where the heck I was at, but I was there, and I did it, and there you go. But we're trying to send one of these, uh, one of these yahoos, uh, no, I'm being serious, one of our great guys here from CD1 up to Washington, D.C. to replace Melanie Stansberry, D.D. Muska, and yeah. we've got... Uh, Louis Sanchez and, uh, I don't know, four-time um, claimer race runner. Uh, she she runs on the claimer. Do you know what a claimer is? No, it doesn't sound complimentary. No, it? <laughs> it's a claimer. It's where you keep running the same horses, and then they end up getting drilled down to, like, the 2,500 claimers. And you're like, well, I might be able to make a little bit of money on that. It, it, if it gets, you know, they bounce a lot, meaning they have good performances and bad performances. Yeah, so. Yeah, but then then you want one that's fresh, fresh out of the gates, and that's uh that's what you got in uh, La Louis Sanchez, Louis Louis. So uh, let's get to the ten questions, doubt as uh, provided uh, last week to CD one candidates uh, for the CD one race. Don't forget uh, your race will start in earnest, I believe, next Monday, Tuesday, May the tenth. Uh, so we'll be looking forward to your early votes and your participation. Make sure that you guys get out to vote, and I think that's. Very, very important that you guys get your voices heard. Uh, Louis is uh, somebody that I really like. I don't like Michelle Garcia Holmes, but it doesn't mean I'm going to downgrade her. So Louis better bring his A game on these. I have neither screened neither the questions nor the answers. I have seen neither. I waited to get back into the office uh, to finally get to ourselves to a point where we can assess this stuff. Dowd, lay it on me. Yeah, and of course, remember, folks, when Eddie did this for the gubernatorial candidates, he was purely objective and even scored the highest ranking for someone who wasn't his number one pick. And if I may be so bold... Or, or number two pick. Or number two pick. Yeah, if but I he, may be so bold, a candidate I completely ruled out voting against in the general, his answers were 
pretty dang solid. And yes, I have now were. opened that door to potentially voting for that gubernatorial candidate in the general. So Eddie and I are approaching this from the good of New Mexico, right. what we need in terms of a good, principled, but also sellable candidate who can actually sell. succeed in the general. Sell, baby. Just sell. Yeah. Just win, baby. Sell. Just as Al Davis said. ABC. Always what, be closing. Always be closing. <laughs> there you go. And if Ron Ketty's your guy, you guys better be getting behind him or you're going to have to deal with me. That's about all I can say. So A-I-D-A. Do I have your attention? Interest. Do I have your interest? <laughs> D. Decision. Have you made your decision <laughs> for Christ? Christ. <laughs> I, I I almost know it by heart. It's A I D A. It's A I D A. It's Aida. So we started off with number one, and this is something that I I A I like to needle uh, political candidates, but B this is a very practical question because boy, a lot of people running for office on the Republican side talk about cutting government, but they never seem to actually cut government once they get in. So uh, I asked this at the state level, and we and we asked it at the federal level. Number one, the national debt exceeds 30 trillion with a T dollars. Ugh. And the price tag for the unfunded liabilities of entitlements is even larger. So we even debate about how large it is. Please name at least three federal programs, subsidies, or bureaucracies that you would vote to eliminate. Okay. Uh, again, we have our, our two candidates, Louis, who you just heard from last hour. Do we do the Lego system? Uh, we got the Legos. Legos? Uh, no, you know what I did with this one? Yeah. I took my Area 51. Oh. Um, uh, oh I got this it. Rachel Nevada. Nice. I got my S4, a Bob Lazar uh, 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 coaster. My okay. sister doesn't like me to not use coasters in my okay, apartment. Okay. And then I flipped it to determine <laughs> who would who would be the first one to kick Is off she the she protecting your Cherrywood uh, coffee tables? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, my, all my expensive <laughs> furniture. Uh, it's, it's a lot of lawn furniture and card tables. Uh, and uh, Michelle Garcia-Holmes came up number one, so this oh. is her answer. And then we, we alternate as You know the, who else thinks she's number one? Michelle Garcia-Holmes. Politicians do like each other. They love uh, themselves. Uh, like themselves. Uh, Garcia Holmes. Uh, okay, I'm quoting now. Uh, the number one job of Congress is voting on legislation that allows the federal government to protect our rights. Mm. If our federal government is doing something that does not legitimately further that goal, then whatever that program, department, subsidy is, it should be given an expiration date. Priority for Congress right now should be to create a strategy for giving expiration dates to all, which isn't the federal government's job. A few notable items would be to streamline and shrink the IRS, okay. eliminate the Federal Department of Education, okay. and to wow. cut the communications nice budgets job. of government departments. Yes. Nobody needs to read on Twitter what partisan Democrat bureaucrats in the Attorney General's office think about the Walt Disney Corporation's mm. gender policies. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, close Good quote. Job. That is uh, Ms. Garcia Holmes. Now, Louie... Uh, who Louis did some major data dumps on a couple of these questions, ladies okay. and gentlemen. So you're going to have to put up with my my nasally drone for for a while here. Do, do you mind uh, uh, before we move on? Uh, let's start from the top where her comments start and finish, just to be absolutely fair to her. I thought the the answer was excellent. Uh, uh, start again. Oh, uh, oh. Repeat her uh, answer, please. Oh, sure. Okay. Uh, Michelle Garcia Holmes quote. The number one job of Congress is voting on legislation that allows the federal government to protect our rights. If our federal government is doing something that does not legitimately further that goal, then whatever that program, department, subsidy is, it should be given an expiration date. The priority for Congress right now should be to create a strategy for giving expiration dates to all which isn't the federal government's job. 
A few notable items would be to streamline and shrink the IRS, eliminate the Federal Department of Education, and to cut the communications budgets of government departments. Nobody needs to read on Twitter what partisan Democrat bureaucrats in the Attorney General's office think about the Walt Disney Corporation's gender policies, close quote. Timely, good. I don't know about referencing a communications department in all of this, that there's really there's really isn't any sort of communications budget. I think it shows a slight bit of naivete. Overall, the tone of the, the answer is strong. I think um, the way she put it together, very good. I think that would communicate well if she were to be able to communicate in a slightly better voice than what she has. Um, but uh, overall, I'd probably give it about a night. I give it a ninety-one. Okay. What do you think? Oh, okay. We're doing we're doing number. Yeah, we're, number we're doing grades. the uh, we're doing the uh, Bud and Sissy Urban Cowboy, or maybe we could do the uh, you know the Dick Clark uh, grade on American Bandstand. You know, we could do that. One, one of the other. Uh, uh, Eddie, I liked it too. What I liked was the comprehensive approach. Which yeah, is I do. Anything's on the table that's not a legitimate function of government. That's kind yeah. of a libertarian response. But you're right about the communications budget. Yeah, uh, the federal government spends $4 trillion a year. Uh, the, the public information office, you're not going to save much money there. Pretty uh, decent job, I, Michelle. There you go. Yeah, I'm, overall, thank you for the good, good effort. All right, let's go. All right. Uh, Mr. Sanchez, Luis Sanchez. Uh, and again, the question is, what would you vote to cut in Washington? Luis Sanchez, quote, where do we start? As there are so many wasteful programs and a lot of them have been in place for over 60 years with little or no results. But here are just a few on my list. That's, that's nebulous, by the way. Say, where do we start? Nebula, 60 years. Oh. Uh, number one, the Justice Department's community-oriented policing services program, which costs $304 million per year. With nearly all of its spending and earmarks, it is filled with corruption and funds functions that are best left to state and local governments. This program has added over a $100,000 uh, 100, officers, not field officers, but mostly administrators to the nation's local police forces and to reduce crime. It has failed to show any results as each community, city, and state has different needs. Uh, number hmm. one, again, we just we just had number one, okay. but Louis was Louis was replying quickly. He, he, we sure. doubled up on number one. Uh, number one, the U.S. government is paying 8.2 billion a year to fund the Rural Electrification Administration, the REA. The REA was started in 1935 under wow. President Franklin Roosevelt's New Deal. Mm. The goal was to bring electricity to America's rural communities. This was a great and admirable goal, but almost 98% of electrification and 95% of telephone service coverage was achieved in rural communities by 1987. Hmm. And today, with modern cell phone technology, we are at 99% cell phone coverage for these communities. Okay. Despite achieving the stated goal, not only has the REA not been shut down, but the program has been expanding. Number two. The Economic Development Administration, EDA, which duplicates the activities of at least 62 other community development programs. The EDA will spend $350 million a year to spur local economic growth. A GAO study found the EDA has no impact at all on, on individual communities. We could save U.S. taxpayers $933 million over the next five years. Number three. The Depression-era Davis-Bacon Act requires companies contracting with the federal government to pay, quote, prevailing, prevailing wages, wage. quote, meaning go. union scale, Boom. 
to their workers, meant to protect unionized contractors. This act is a way to pay back political favors to unions, but ending it would save taxpayers nearly $9 billion over five years. Close quote. End of answer. Oh, okay. So this is easy. Um, I was going to go probably 50-50 until we got to midway through uh, answer number two. I mean, the backing up uh, of your uh, statistics and then uh, taking a, a further leap forward and talking about billions as opposed to millions, which is the exact impact that you need to be doing because it does need to be seismic. You can't make these little blips and nudges. I mean, some big things need to be happening. I like Louis's approach. I like his answer. Uh, he gets the full point. One nothing, Louis Sanchez after one. Go ahead. Uh, okay, now this one, uh, the second one, folks, is a little, you know, maybe. But I, 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 I don't want to fully discount uh, Michelle Garcia Holmes there. I no, thought she did no. a really decent job on that answer, with the exception of uh, number three there. I just didn't, the, her third answer on that was like, what are you talking about, communications budget? Fill us in. You got to educate people again, just like I did on the last one. You got to be the. In order to be a good politician, you got to be the smartest person in the room. You need to be thinking about everything that everybody else is talk is thinking at the very same time that you're giving your answer. And if you cannot sort of approach it in sort of this broad spectrum, yet uh, go- drill down on the details and give exact figures, you're not able to be a good politician as far as I'm concerned, Doug. I like what you said, Eddie. Be the smartest person in the room. The only thing I would add is don't talk down to people while being the smartest person. Condescending is terrible. That's a way to get that's yeah. a way to turn voters off. And oh, yeah. I don't know anything about politics, but I know that. All right, question number two. And uh, I asked this specifically because they're going up against this climate warrior woman who thinks she's going to save the planet, okay? Number two, is carbon dioxide pollution? Why or why not? Ooh, um, I like people the on the short, left short think question, that we though. are being poisoned by carbon dioxide, that it's you know heating the planet up, and AOC mm. thinks we only have nine years left. Yep, yep. So it may sound like a weird question, Eddie, but it's actually extremely it's relevant yep, yep. to our, particularly our economy here in, in New Mexico. All right, so Louis, Louis started off with this one, Mr. Sanchez. Quote, uh, number one, he, he likes to number his answers. Yes and no. Carbon dioxide is produced by every living thing. Too much is bad, and too little is even worse. Number two. Even though, according to media report, 97% of all scientists say that executive that excessive CO2 is causing global warming, but there are studies that show that rising CO2 level are seasonal event, i.e. summer active plants are consuming more CO2 and growing, while during the winter months, plants in the northern hemisphere pl- uh, plants are dormant, showing higher CO2 concentration in the atmosphere, according to NASA. Three. Can, can, can you tell Louis listens to the radio station? <laughs> Louis is a bit of a wonk. Uh, number three, I'm, you right, no editorial, no editorial comment. I'll just keep yep. going back to reading. Yep, please. Uh, number three, environmental alarmist would have us believe that the Earth's temperature is rising, but data from a NASA study done from 1995 to 2015, which showed a rise of CO2 of 13% in the atmosphere, <laughs> temper, t- atmosphere temperatures only rose 0.05% during that time. Number four. So my answer is still eyes and no. And we really need independent data to determine the true effects, close quote. Mr. Sanchez. Um, Ms. Garcia Holmes, quote, let's be realistic. Can CO2 be pollution? Sometimes. Is it always pollution? Definitely not. Can it be dangerous to humans in large quantities? Yes. It's a waste byproduct of human respiration. Do ecosystems on the planet have the ability to process CO2 so that it doesn't concentrate in large quantities? Yes. Are we in imminent danger of CO2 poisoning because of human industrial activities? Definitely not. 
Should Congress and regulatory agencies be creating laws and regulations which destroy our economy because of an overhyped fear of CO2? Definitely not. Close quote. So I like uh, Louis' answer, obviously, because very detailed, very wonky. I thought that was good. Drills down on uh, details. Um, I like uh, Michelle Garcia Holmes' approach to it because I think she opens it up for other questions. Uh, and it was a short um, answer to the question, which I think is important. Um, I'm going to actually seed uh, on Michelle Garcia homes a little bit more on this. And, and this is from the standpoint uh, uh, in that we're at the edge of our perception. We only know so much about this. We're getting into the carbon footprint. It's more of an exploratory thing, not an agenda driven thing. One of the things that I think uh, Republicans, I think aren't on top of is the actual science on this because there isn't a whole lot of science. Nobody really cares that much about this. It's uh, it's something that's I think driven by the uh, energy transition act and People are trying to drive the uh, 2030 agenda. So I think the fact that she's willing to be a little bit more exploratory on this, I think helps her on this particular answer, because I think we're probably good 10, 20, maybe even 30 years from really making a deterministic uh, decision as to where we are, Dowd. And uh, I don't think any policy decisions should be ultimately made unless we actually have, you know, concretely, factually what it is. And I hate it when it comes to masking or, you know, I saw this ridiculous ethod uh, or ethiod or whatever it is, the airlines committed to being carbon neutral by 2050. It's an airline. Do you realize how much fuel you're burning when you travel in the air? Like, what are you flying on? Vegetables and fruits? It's ridiculous. Like, there's so much education that needs to go on with this. And I don't think it needs to be at the forefront. I think her approach uh, is more of a step back and it's asking more questions than it's providing answers, which is where Congress needs to be on all this. It doesn't need to be making, you know, agenda driven decisions, 30, 50, 100 years hence on, you know, generational commitments that uh, are going to outlive my own kids, even if, if you will. So I, I like her answer. I think it's better. Uh, overall for for the tenor. I like Louie's answer uh, from being the wonky approach. I think, unfortunately, I just don't think it, it helps right now because you'd have a very difficult time sort of convincing the other side of your arguments uh, on this because, again, you're differing when it comes to the scientists. I don't know uh, how you feel about my uh, uh, answer in regard to this, but I'd give it one, one, one to Louie, one to Michelle Garcia-Holmes on, on answer number two. Uh, Eddie, I agree with you for a different reason on on awarding this to uh, Michelle Garcia-Holmes. Garcia what I liked, I think she was a little more concise, but her sentence near the end, should Congress and regulatory agencies be creating laws and regulations which destroy our economy because of an overhyped fear? She's tying that into New Mexico, a there huge you go. oil and right. gas producer. Right. And listen, I'm I'm Mr. Philosophy, and I and I you know I, and I respect Ronald Reagan's constant optimism and vision for America, but politics is the art of the practical too. And to tie it into the voters saying, this is damaging your life, our right. economy here. I think that's just good politics. Uh, and that'll play well in, in certain circles. So, and the other thing uh, is I, you I can't think, educate every single person on these things. It's better to ask the question and then to see what's practical. I think that's the way to hit this. I, I really think when it comes to like, yeah, can we afford to sort of uh, give this up and spend a hundred thousand dollars? And you could put it in very simple terms. Uh, your next door neighbor bought a hundred thousand dollar Tesla. 
Is he suddenly more responsible than you? Well, there's a lot of other things that can be done with $100,000 than buy a damn Tesla so you can reduce your carbon footprint and, you know, save on gas. And uh, there's this virtue signaling that goes on on the left all the time. It's like, oh, what's your miles per gallon? What'd you get? Oh, and they're like bragging while they're drinking, you know, $50, $100 wine somewhere while they're saying, well, I only had to spend $40. I went, you know, 350 miles on a half a tank of gas. I'm like, Oh my gosh. I really want to punch you right now. You know, it's just uh, idiotic. All right. Question. So one, one after two, number three, number three. Uh, and of course this was inspired by a lot of us who've gone through tax hell recently. Uh, I believe this year it was April 18th. Our, our, our tax individual income yes. taxes. The were Monday paid. after, uh, number three, do you favor replacing the federal income tax structure with a flat tax a national sales tax or something else. Ooh. Uh, Ms. Garcia Holmes was, this is good. Uh, uh, went good first question out. Uh, and this is uh, Ms. Garcia Holmes. Quote, taxes should be as low as possible, regardless of the system by which the government collects money. If we put an expiration date on all the government programs, department subsidies, which don't serve the goals of the government, what is that with her now, expiration date? Is she hanging out with like, uh, you know, Elsie and, and Borden milk in her refrigerator? Does she work at a dairy or this something? This is like the uh, second <laughs> answer she's giving with expiration dates. Like uh, Open parens, see answer number one, close parens. Then we would reduce taxes across the board to the degree that most people wouldn't mind paying for essential, necessary, <laughs> and affordable government services. Would it I mind? Not- Did she not pay taxes? <laughs> At what point do you not mind? Like every single person is bragging about the amount of money that they're getting back from the federal government. You're like, well, I wouldn't mind really giving the uh, federal government. Ah, Don't worry. Ah, CRT. Oh, I don't mind an extra couple grand. We really don't mind an extra five grand. No big deal. Uh, And she concludes with, I am not opposed to exploring what a flat tax would look like. Exploring. Okay. All right. That Um, has literally been a central tenant of good uh, uh, economic policy for the last 25 years. It's what we as Republicans and conservatives and even libertarians have wanted. You want to talk about a level playing field? You're talking about a flat tax. Yep. What are you, what are you, uh, exploring? You should be able to educate me on a flat tax. Uh, her opponent uh, offered a different type of answer, and I will get to it right now. The okay. response from Thank Mr. You. Sanchez. Apologize. Quote, easy. Yes. Capital yeah. I-E-S. If politicians really want for everyone to pay their fair share, fair. I agree. I agree with Senator Cruz's proposal of a flat tax. Close quote. That was easy. That was like Wait. the first time I didn't have to explain myself in giving my uh, awards here. Uh, Two one yeah. easy. Uh, that, yeah. That's 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 Louis, Louis, Louis all day one. long. That's yeah, easy. Absolutely. Okay. Good uh, job, number four. Louis. This this is where things get really interesting for those of us who uh, examine the union political power of the in the United States. Number four. Do you support a national right to work law, which would end the ability of all union bosses to force unwilling workers to pay dues or fees? Uh, we kick things off with Mr. Sanchez here. Quote, yes, I do support a national right to work law. No one should be forced to join a union as a requirement for employment. Close quote. Again, rather simple, quick. All right, Michelle Garcia-Holmes. Quote, I support the United States Supreme Court 2018 ruling in Janus v. AFSCME that determined that non-union government workers cannot be required to pay union dues or fees as a condition of working in public service. Private sector unions can still require workers to pay union fees for the wage and benefit bargaining. 
I do not support Governor Lujan Grisham's attempts to invalidate resolutions in 10 New Mexico counties and one village government to make union membership a mandatory condition of employment. It was made clear in arguments in Janus that union dues were widely used by Democratic-controlled leadership to fund Democratic political candidates, close quote. Read Louise again. Yes, I do support a national right to work law. No one should be forced to join a union as a requirement for employment, close quote. I'm going to let you award here. This is your, this is your Bally week. This is your, this, this is you. Um, if you don't, are you willing to award points here? Oh yeah. Okay. If you don't mind step in on this one, you've had, I know where my, I would go, but I just think that you have way more expertise on this. And in terms of answering the question, uh, I think that, you know, you're a much better, you know, guide on this for our audience. Go ahead. Well, Eddie, I, you know, no, no matter whether the, the tone or tenor of the answer, if you don't answer the question, I don't know how you can get the, the points. Okay. You know, Louis says yes. <laughs> so you can disagree with Louis, but he answered the question. Uh, Garcia Holmes gets into this wordy kind of dodging kind of thing. She brings in Janice, which has nothing to do with a, a National Right to Work Act, okay. which would apply to private sector workers, not government workers. So yep. I think her answer was very weak, and Louis was very, very clear. Uh, kind of. Uh, you know, it's a no-brainer for me. Okay, 3-1. Here we go. Yeah. All right, uh, question numero cinco. Cinco. What specific actions should be taken to curb illegal immigration? Oh, like this. Yeah, I want to okay. know what they're going to do. We start off with uh, Ms. Garcia Holmes. Quote, the first thing we must do is to make sure our existing laws are enforced, ensure Homeland Security, ICE, is fully funded, and our borders are physically secured. Biden's current policies are enabling drug cartels. Biden's administration is not effectively using consequences. They are only processing, not prosecuting. I believe in the rule of law. People immigrating to the United States must obey our laws. If immigrants are coming here illegally, they are violating the rights of Americans. If our immigration laws are not being upheld, then our federal government is violating the rights of Americans. If federal or state policies are preventing us from enforcing our immigration laws, then the elected officials preventing our laws from being enforced have to be removed from office. Close hmm. quote. Again, that's Michelle Garcia Holmes. I will give very you law enforcement uh, style answer. I mean, it's uh, basically the if jargon, then, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's very direct. I think pretty black and white. How it happens, explaining it to us. I think uh, rule of law. I love rule of law answers uh, because there are laws. There are uh, experts that <laughs> weigh in on laws and judges that rule on them. And then we ultimately determine that uh, whether or not they can stay in place uh, via the Supreme Court. So you want a good functioning society. That's how you do it. That's exciting. Uh, I got to say that's a pretty, pretty good answer as far as I'm concerned. Uh, next one. Yeah, I think a lot of the Republican Party faithful would, would like that answer. Oh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Mr. Sanchez, uh, and this is rather a short one. Uh, number one, actually enforce the laws on the books. Number two, finish the wall, but as president said, with gates that open both ways. Number three, actually write oh, real Louis. and achievable, uh, able oh. immigration reform, close quote. That's oh. the entirety of, of his answer. Oh, gosh. That's an easy one for her. You don't like those gates opening both no, ways? No, <laughs> I do not. No, I. Do you see us rushing to break through the border to get to Mexico? Hey, everybody. <laughs> I'm trying to cross the border. <laughs> no, 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 no. Stop that. 
stop, stop the whole idea of having like get away from like we're going to, more towards the right during the uh, you know primary. Don't worry about how you're perceived in the general. Oh God, it's terrible. Oh, I hate that answer. Uh, that, that, you, that answer was a little too much. Jeb Bush Club for girls. Yeah, it really is. I, I don't know, Dowd. I'm I'm going to go full point for Michelle Garcia Holmes, unless you argue otherwise. But nope. I don't know how even to step in the way of that one. There. Nope, I mean, nope, I, nope. I, I think, think she she earned it completely on her own. Yeah. The old fashioned way. She, yeah. she earned it. Uh, all right. Now number six. Now uh, I'm three going two to, three two. Three for uh, Louie, two for Michelle Garcia Holmes. We got ourselves a uh, race boat. And I, I will just preface this by saying, ladies and gentlemen, uh, just think about the word equity and the, what, what the word equity, oh boy. Uh, as, as it's presently trotted out in political discourse, means to you where you've seen it, the kind of people you've, you've heard talking about it. Number six, what does the word equity mean to you? Oh. All right. We're going to start off with uh, Mr. This is Sanchez. a painful. Quote. I would never be able to answer this question. Do you, because, <laughs> uh, what uh, does it mean for me? I would just tell you what it means and then let you determine for yourself what you think it means and then tell you exactly what the federal government and your local governments will tell you what it means. Because everybody, for a word that we all use, would all use it something differently. That's the problem in this country. Go ahead. Uh, Mr. Sanchez, uh, quote, number one, to be fair and impartial to all, to not favor one person's situation or event over another, especially over the color of our skin or situation or platform, close quote. Uh, now, I will interject here, mm. and I think that, I think Louis might have mistaken the question a little bit. He might have said, he might have thought that I meant, I used the word equality. Um, Michelle Garcia Holmes's answer is very, very different, Eddie, and we're going to see what Mr. Aragon, his take on it, uh, on it now. Uh, Michelle Garcia Holmes, a quote, Equity is a new buzz term used by progressive socialists as a stand-in word for equality of outcome, which is the goal of a socialistic, anti-American system of... I already gave her the point. So just based upon just understanding, I mean, uh, Louis totally missed it, and she totally got on the first... Yeah, just like didn't even mess around with it. She knows that. And I think partially one of the reasons why she knows it is she knows the other side. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, keep continuing. Uh, Completely agree. I think she knocked, she, frankly, I think she really, it might be her best answer of the Yeah, of the, I agree. The, she knocked it out of the That's park easy. on that one. Um, and if I wanted to be cynical, I'd say whoever wrote this for her knocked it out of the park. <laughs> but, you know, we, we know that, you know, come on, not every politician. <laughs> I did not write that for her. <laughs> That's right. Uh, number seven, uh, apropos of uh, something maybe in the news this week. Three, a bit. three, folks. Three, three. Here we go. Yeah. Do you oppose taxpayer funding of abortion? Okay. Michelle Garcia Holmes, quote, yeah, I am pro-life and oppose taxpayer funding of abortion. Perfect. New Mexico is known as the late-term abortion capital of the Perfect. nation, and I oppose late-term abortion. Yep. We can protect babies and help mm. women make better decisions about their health by collaborating She's a woman. with okay. organizations like CareNet Mother and Pregnancy five. Care Centers. Yep. Yep. Education and outreach should play a bigger role in ending abortion in America. Yep. I will always promote women choose life oh and she's a woman hey she gets a little bit of an advantage in this one eddie we we found the one woman we in New found Mexico oh, there we go there we go pro-life there we go. she's the only one i've ever known how many babies uh, has she Mr. made how many Mr. babies Sanchez. has she made she, i think she's made five or something i think earl's oh, she has got a bunch of kids okay yeah she got a uh, lot Mr. of kids Sanchez, uh, quote yes i don't believe any taxpayer money or revenue should go to fund abortions mm. at some point personal responsibility has to come into account there was very few contraceptive measure in 1973 when Roe v. Wade was decided, close quote. Repeat that last part. 
Uh, very... At some point, personal responsibility has to come into account. No, no, no account. after that. Uh, there was very few contraceptive measure in 1973 when Roe versus Wade was decided. Close quote. Oh. All right, let's stop for a second. What, what does that mean exactly? Is he like, is that a loose interpretation of the availability of contraceptive measures that were there? Uh, sort of inferring that abortion was just another option as a contraceptive measure? I can did see I hear, some pro-life did I, did I hear that? Is that what I, I heard? I see some pro-life activists looking very askance ah. at the last sentence. Yes. yes. Ow. Ow. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, read the first part because I've got a oh. – oh, my God. Uh, this okay. was well, an I'll easy 50. I'll read the whole answer again. I'll yeah. Go ahead. Uh, this is Mr. Sanchez. Uh, quote, yeah, uh, the question once again, do you oppose taxpayer funding of abortion? Okay, okay. Mr. Sanchez, quote, yes. I don't believe any taxpayer money yep, or yep, revenue should yep. go to fund abortions. Bang. At some point, personal responsibility has Bang. to come into account. Yep, yep. There was very few contraceptive measure oh. in 1973 when Roe v. Oh. Wade was decided. I got to come up with whether or not I want to penalize them for this. Well, you would take points away. <laughs> no, it's not take points away. Just, you know, I think it's, I think it's 50, 50 cause it's pretty easy, especially where we are in Roe v. Ro Ro Wade. You asked this before, you know, this stuff was leaked, which we have to get to. And then we were answering it post. Ugh. I don't know. Oh. Do I give a full point uh, uh, to Michelle Garcia Holmes on this? I tell is you, it, Eddie, I'm, that, I'm, I, where are you the at? Reason I'm the reason I'm inclined to give her the full point is what I really liked her talking about, which which Louis didn't. Uh, we can protect babies and help women make better decisions by collaborating with organizations like CareNet and pregnancy care centers. She's not just looking at a very uh, clinical, static view here. She's saying, how can we help women who have gotten pregnant and maybe don't want to be pregnant. I, I think she kind of humanized it more there too. But Louie um, answered right until that third sentence. He answered right until the final. Yeah. Until the end. It's just, it just will kill you. Like you don't, you don't talk about abortion as a contraception measure. Like it's, it's off limits and it cannot just be like kind of off limits. Like, well, we had our options and abortion was the options on the table. That's sort of what he leaves himself open to. Right. Is that fair? My okay, doubt I'll let you award the points or point. Um, you know, if you want to cut it up, you award it how you want. We're we're at uh, that's question seven, correct? Yes, we are three three and I, I give it to Michelle Garcia. All right, Holmes. four three, Michelle Garcia Holmes. Woo! Number eight, last three. Here we go. We're in the home stretch, ladies and gentlemen. Home all right, now, this stretch. one I will completely cop to. This is a loaded question. All right, all right, livid, all right. I'm, I'm livid over this issue. I am. Uh, I'm assessing this fully. I'm doling out the points fully on this one. Uh, Dowd, lay it on me. The Biden administration has sent billions of dollars worth of military assets to the government of Volodymyr Zelensky, including howitzers, tactical vehicles, drones, mines, helicopters, and satellite imagery. Do you believe it is the American taxpayer's duty to help defend Ukraine from Russia? And will you support the White House if it seeks to expand its assistance? I cannot tell you how excited I am about this question. <laughs> I think you know where I'm coming from, folks. This is where the rubber meets the road. Dowd and I are on the... This is where Dowd and I get along so well when it comes to international conflict. All right. Who's All right, first? Start off with Mr. Sanchez. All right. Quote, 
I do support the U.S. sending military aid to Ukraine, even though it was late getting there. The U.S. could have easily sent the $82.9 billion of military equipment we abandoned in Afghanistan to Ukraine, but the current administration again acted without any thought or responsibility. I don't not support sending any U.S. troops to fight. But, uh, wow, that's a double negative. You don't often get this. I think get that was those. probably an error, probably a typo. Is that a, you think it's a typo? I suspect. <laughs> You think this was done in a hurried pace? All right. Uh, repeat the last sentence again, but slower, so our audience can digest it like I can. I don't not support sending any U.S. What does that mean? Fight. I can't. I can't even deal with that. Like my brain just shut down. Okay. I do. I don't not support. The rule was always the same for every candidate, folks. Oh. I just ran the answers as I got them. Oh. I don't. What is that? Oh. Okay. That's bad. That, that's a uh, bad answer. Like top to bottom, that is a terrible answer. Louis, Louis, I wish I could bring you back here so I could talk to you. But uh, my friend, I, I love you. But that's a terrible answer. Especially the last part. You don't want to go double negative on anything ever. And Before leave we some... make up our minds, let's let's get the alternative. Oh, okay, okay. Uh, all right. Sorry. Michelle Garcia-Holmes, yeah. quote, mm. The Biden administration are experts at failure. Each time it fails to become, wait a minute, I'm sorry, correction. Each time it fails, it becomes more and more expensive to clean up the mess. Biden completely failed in Afghanistan. Now he has ruined our foreign policy in Eastern Europe to that point where we have to worry about the threat of nuclear conflict with Russia. All right. Just supporting the Ukrainian government so stop. against Russia. She just, stop. She just set up an entirely new scenario based upon. Is that is that fair? She is. She set up an yeah. entirely new scenario based upon the first part of her answer. Okay. Yeah. So uh, she reframed I'm everything. Pick up on that. Okay. Yeah. She reframed. Uh, just quote supporting the Ukrainian government against Russia. Close quote is short term thinking. What we need to do is press Russia and every other global adversary on every front, economically, militarily geographically and technologically until its military slinks back across its borders and is forced to stay at home. That's the way it was Gosh. under Trump. And that's the way it should be. If we re-implement an effective and realistic foreign policy based on military strength. Oh, this is like the first vote that they're going to place as a congressperson. Potentially. Yeah. Yeah. These both these answers My both. My view, suck. Eddie, is they're both terrible. They they terrible. both suck. Yeah, they're very like bad. this is from bad. a non-interventionist standpoint. There's nothing to like about either of these. Uh, oh. Michelle Gar Garcia Holmes, this is neo ladies and neocon. Here's what, a neocon answer. If you don't know what neoconservatism is, here it is. Quote, Repeat it. What we need to do is press Russia and every other global adversary on every front, economically, militarily, geographically, and technologically. What do you think that would cost us in terms of money, in terms of young men and women dying? Uh, if it's our job to press every global adversary on every front, that is Bill uh, Crystal's wet dream. Hey, happy uh, birthday, Bill Crystal. Yeah, 81 today, by the way. Uh, whoa. I'm going to give a quarter point to Louie insofar as he sort of alluded to the fact that there is something that's workable, but nothing else and zero for Michelle Garcia Holmes. And I take 0. 0.2, 0. 0.75 for us at this point. That That is terrible. <laughs> we're not even in this contest. And we, and yeah, we're that is ridiculous. <laughs> Both of those answers are terrible. Yeah. 
uh, staying within the foreign policy realm. Uh, okay, as, uh, number nine. As, as, uh, as, as I, okay, as so I we're at uh, uh, four to three point two five. Is that correct? Is that the yep, that the yep. scoring? I believe yeah, so. I yeah. got this. Yeah. Uh, number nine. Would you support U.S. military action against China, a country that a country that possesses three hundred and fifty nuclear weapons, if it invades Taiwan? Ugh. Michelle Garcia Holmes. Quote. If we have an effective foreign policy which puts pressure on our global adversaries in a strategically sound manner, like we had during the Trump administration, open parentheses. Is, is that her answer, answer to every single foreign policy question? What, repeat the, the answer number eight. Repeat that. <laughs> I, I, like, I, I'm sorry if I have a photographic memory and I remember everything that you say, but Dowd, you just said, uh, Michelle Garcia, yeah. read number eight again. Uh, I'll read. I'll read the juicy part. Uh, yeah. We need to press Russia and every other global adversary on every front, economically, militarily, geographically, and technologically. Uh, and number nine says, "Okay, see, see, answer number eight. Yeah, there you uh, go. It, it, all right. So if there we do, uh, if we act, if we had, like we had during the Trump administration, there won't be a need for any substantial military action against China. She can't I even frame that correct." She didn't I believe even, in peace through strength. Peace through we strength. We need to start there recognizing blah, blah, blah. that China. Now this is very interesting. We need to start recognizing that China is not a strong ally. Close quote. <laughs> Folks, even I wouldn't say that China is our ally. Strong uh, weak. <laughs> I mean, that, you, that is a bizarre <laughs> ending to, to, the, to the answer there. I, woo. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, China's an ally. I don't know if you knew this or not, but uh, we need not a, a strong ally. Yeah, just another strong ally. It's a, it's an ally, but not a. Wow. All sorts of stupid on that answer. Well, and, and Eddie, listen, at the end How of the day. How is she leading the rate of uh, four to 3.25 at this point? Listen, at the end of the day, it yeah. comes down to a very simple question. Should my 18-year-old nephew, <laughs> or if this happens 10 years from now, should Eddie's young men uh, that he helped create, yeah. should they die Help. for Taiwan? Don't, And I don't care. Oh, you're being emotional. No, I'm not. I'm asking a very basic question. Should Americans die to protect the sovereignty of Taiwan? My answer to that, is hell no. no. <clears throat> All right, they, have the, they, have, they have the uh, the best uh, sort of quasi-Navy SEAL force in the universe, by the way. Those yep. guys, like, literally sleep on hot coals. Yes, yeah, yep. and they buy All a lot right. of American weapons. Uh, all right, Mr. Sanchez's response. Again, the question is, do you support military action against China if it mm. invades Taiwan? Okay. Mr. Sanchez, quote, that's a great question. <laughs> it really it really depends on what kind of military action would be proposed, okay. i.e. military equipment, financial, or troop deployment. Uh -huh. I have never thought that the U.S. should be the world police and that other countries should not depend on America and our men and women to fight their battles. But I do think we have an obligation to have our brothers back in negotiations. I believe that diplomacy should first be tried and strong economic strategy should be deployed first. If the U.S. stand a strong economic stand against China now, I truly believe any aggression from China could be avoided. Reason for my thoughts. As of 2021, both countries together share 41.89% wow. and 34.75% of the entire world's PPP and GDP, respectively. But the U.S. is the fifth richest country in the world, whereas China comes in at 63rd rank. Whereas if the U.S. was to stay engaged in product tariffs and home resurgence of mm -hmm. U.S.-based manufacturing mm -hmm. of products and stay with a business model of made in America, we could fight and battle economic supremacy over China, which I believe would keep China from invading Taiwan. Close quote. No brainer. 
That's uh, 100% Luis Sanchez. I mean, not even close. Um, I think he's willing to engage into a you know more cerebral viewpoint of what's happening in a, in, yeah, in a region. Yeah, I think that that that's yeah. It, four two five to four. That's easy. Um, I, I only think Eddie. I might dock Louis. I think I, Louis' I, answer is better, but I might dock him for not you know, being very clear about, again, the issue for me, should Americans die for Taiwan? I, I wish you were a little more clear on that. Um, it, it, it is what it is. Uh, number 10, we're All wrapping right. things up. 4.25 um, for Louis and 4 for Michelle Garcia-Holmes. Here and we this are. is where things get a little snarky from one of our respondents. Uh, really? Number 10. Okay. And ladies and gentlemen, if you know Back me, at you, you, show, Back at you, you know that uh, I do not like the lifetime bureaucrats and the people who have, uh, quote unquote, earned a living on your dime. Uh, I think government should be radically smaller. I think we have too many people in elective office who have spent their time in government and we need far fewer of these people. So that was the source of this question. OK, just to give you some background. Number 10, please describe the length and scope of your experience in the private sector. Mm. Mr. Sanchez will uh, kick things off here. Quote, I understand the issues of the U.S. healthcare system as I have 28 years of experience in medical field. Okay. And then he goes on to list some items. So we're just going to be ticking those off. Sure. Medical procedures, all cardiology procedures, all right. medical billing, yep. C codes, DRG, Medicare and Medicaid and private insurance. By the way, schedules. that's where the government and the private sector meet in those areas, folks. Uh, talent recruiting and technical training. Okay. Own and operate a small business. All right. Calibers indoor shooting ranges. Mm -hmm. Calculating and applying operation budget and AOPs, COGs. Talent recruitment, capital outlay, business insurance needs, SBA headaches, etc. And then business. Close quote. That is okay. Mr. Sanchez's right. answer. Okay. That's pretty uh, straightforward. And, uh, Michelle Garcia Holmes. This one is uh, is a little long. I'm gonna I'm go fast. No, no, no. Quote, uh, go especially slow. Especially I want to hear okay. all of it. Okay, okay. Uh, Michelle Garcia Holmes. Quote: This question is clearly is missing the words public sector as well. I am proud of my lifelong community service in protecting citizens' rights, property, lives, and families, and I am very proud of my 30 years of public service to New Mexico citizens. See biography below. Michelle Garcia Holmes biography. Hello. Michelle Garcia Holmes is a wife, mother, grandmother, daughter of a veteran, and mother of a soldier. She served 30 years in law enforcement. She served in the Albuquerque Police Department, 1984, Thank and was also the service. chief of staff for the New Mexico Attorney General's Office, 2006. Uh, what, what's his name? Unmentioned. Uh, what what, what party? Wait, wait. What party was that? Save your save your response to the end. Okay, here, sir. sorry about that. Worked on the creation of the first government corruption division, legislation against child abusers and human traffickers. Wait, wait, Oversight human traffickers, child abusers, Jeffrey Epstein under whose watch? Oversight and management of agency sorry. grants, budget review, hiring, and training. Additional projects include managing statewide education on internet predators, the dangers of methamphetamine, prescription drug issues and policies in New Mexico, teen dating violence outreach, as well as education Gosh. and legal services. Served as the liaison to the Joint Terrorism Task Force and New Mexico's congressional delegation. Worked on national human trafficking and money laundering issues. Served 20 years and retired at the rank of detective from the Albuquerque Police Department. Held positions in the Violent Crimes Against Children Unit, Sexual Assault Unit, Property Crimes Unit, Auto Theft Unit, 
and Chiefs staff. Born and raised in Albuquerque, Bachelor of Science in Occupational Education from Wayland Baptist University. Yeah, uh, very Ordained difficult to get into. Senior Chaplain, International yep. Federation of Chaplains, Blue Star Mother, Intimate Partner Domestic Violence Death Review Team Chair, former member and chair, Child Fatality Review Team former member, Joint Terrorism Task Force former member, uh, and finally, achievements I am most proud of, married to Earl Holmes and having raised five amazing children, Helping bring to justice the ether man rapist, Robert Howard Bruce. We made history uh, in Oh, that's in uh, TR TRC, right? TRC, if, if I'm not uh, He is now serving a 276-year sentence, yeah. close quote. That is the entirety of her response to the question, uh, again, number 10, please describe the length and scope of your experience in the private sector. Hmm. There you go. Exactly zero years in the private sector. Is there, was there anything there in the private sector? Not that I saw. Right. That's an easy point for uh, yeah. Louis. Yeah, Louis, Louis, That's of course. Snarky doesn't even uh, snarky doesn't even hit it. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, a defensive, <laughs> overly defensive, um, hostile, I think, would be the better way to approach the way you characterize her answer. Well, and, and, and you could have turned this question around, um, and they always yeah. train politicians: don't sure. answer the don't answer the question they ask. Answer the question you want to answer. I think it could very easily, with just a couple of phrases or sentences, say, "I know at this time of uh, this time in our country's history, with a thirty trillion dollar debt, there's a tremendous interest in people from the private sector. While I don't have that experience, I value that and will greatly draw upon the entrepreneurs and investors that I will serve in in the new Congress. There was a way to finesse this, but there was no attempt made to finesse Yeah, this. obviously very defensive because she has zero private sector experience. And uh, there you go, 5.25 to 4. Uh, Louis Sanchez over Michelle Garcia Holmes. Anything else, Doug? That's the end, folks. And, uh, you know, it, it, it is what it is. Uh, we don't Eddie, really have a lot of competitive Republicans running for major offices in the state. So I think this is kind of round things up. Yeah. Uh, I've been looking at county commission races. Uh, for example, in uh, Curry County, there's three people running for District 3. But, you know, that is a rather small county. So I'm not, I, I can't explore every race. The governor's race and CD1 were the big enchiladas. And those are the people we asked the questions of. Your big winners, Luis Sanchez in CD1 and Mark Ron. Ketty for governor. So that's the way that it ends up. Congratulations to the victors. Absolutely. And I think uh, both of them uh, did very well, though. Louis Sanchez has uh, got to improve on uh, questions uh, eight and nine. Boy, uh, I think uh, lacking in uh, both of the, or excuse me, seven and eight, not eight and nine. And uh, Dowd, uh, where can we find all those questions and the answers at? That's at rockoftalk.chat, ladies and gentlemen. Less than 20 cents a day, you can subscribe. There it is. Back after the top of the hour news right here in the Kiva on AM 600 KIVABQ.FM. I got a feeling. That tonight's gonna be a good night That tonight's gonna be a good night That tonight's gonna be a good, good night I feel it That tonight's gonna be a good night That tonight's gonna be a good night That tonight's gonna be Nice. 
This is the Rock of Talk on AM 1600 KIVA Albuquerque. Albuquerque. with more 411 here for your third hour. I am Eddie Urig on the Rock of Talk AM 600 KIV, ABQ.FM. Rockoftalk.com, that's where you want to go ahead and check us out. Uh, yeah, the, sadly, on this day, back in uh, 2012, it was uh, one Adam Yauch, also known as MCA. No, the, not the king at rock, the MCA, Adam. Adam Yauch uh, lost his life. Uh, 47 years of age, doubt I'm 47. He lost his life. Um uh, May 4th, 2012, hip-hop, rap, rock, all the uh, good stuff. Uh, really good guy. Um, uh, kind of the uh, talent of the three. And uh, his dad was an architect. His mom was a social worker. He was Jewish, and his father was Catholic. And uh, he had a non-religious upbringing, all the, the rest. But uh, he brought you up on the religion of, uh, I guess we, we we would refer to as white rap, uh, right, D-Dowd Muska? Hour three, you and me, and the Dowd makes three, 3,000. Uh, a lot of people really didn't uh, get into uh, rap until it was the Beastie Boys that say, hey, the water is warm. Why don't you go ahead and uh, dip your toe and come right in, Dowd? Uh, 
the the boys got me through high school, uh, uh, Eddie. Uh, three Jewish kids from <laughs> the the Big Apple, uh, and uh, I don't know if it was MCA or or Mike D or Ad Rock who wrote the immortal line. You should be with me. You should drop that bum because I got more flavor than fruit stripe gum. <laughs> um, but that's lyrics like that. Uh, uh, that's the reason so many of us so, Gen Xers love the Beastie Boys. <laughs> We got a lot to get to. Uh, we're going to uh, race through it. Uh, Doubt I sent you some stuff yesterday. I know there was some stuff you wanted to hit on, but Michelle Lujan Grisham declaring a national disaster here in the state of New Mexico. We got to talk about Las Vegas and Blackstone, what's happening there. My parents have a house there and oh. uh, they're dumping it. And uh, really? I'm like, yeah, I told them. I said, I don't want it. Why don't you guys just go ahead and dump it? Just, just get rid of it. You know, be- I may have a buyer for them. <laughs> really? My yeah, brother-in-law. Yeah, brother-in-law. <laughs> I think it hit the market uh, Saturdays, and uh, you know, just it, it's just one of those things. There isn't uh, many houses that are available, and I got to tell you, you just got to kind of uh, move on. We'll talk about um, also Roe v. Wade. I think that's the big thing. Where do we weigh in? Where do we? You know where we weigh in. We don't even have to weigh in on any of this stuff. But how was this played? I was there up at the Supreme Court. Um, Shapiro came out yesterday, kind of, uh, I wish I could have come out and did the show yesterday. I couldn't. Uh, But Shapiro came out yesterday and and gave you exactly what you thought uh, that we would probably give you, which is, yeah, there's a ploy here. This is a leftist push. This is an attempt to go ahead. But it could have also been um, uh, somebody on the inside with Trump and one of his uh, people with one of his, remember, three of five, three of five of his appointees would have given him, and it was six to three in terms of uh, what was leaked. So three of the five uh, that have, it could have uh, potentially have been. And then we, we, we can't give any credence to Roberts because nobody ever knows where the heck that guy is. But it's got to be Sotomayor's. Uh, they don't know where the leak is exactly. There'll be an investigation to it. Uh, we have a pretty good idea of, of who it is. It's the uh, one woman who represents herself as he, she on Twitter. Uh, and she is one of the clerks for Sotomayor, one of the four clerks for Sotomayor that probably end up leaking this whole entire thing. And well, that's Eddie, the- I, I was struck uh, last night. Yeah. Uh, I have not signed up for cable again, and I have no intention of doing it. But there Good. are some secret. There are some secret ways you can watch cable uh, on the dark web. Oh yeah. Uh, and so I often I do check know out those. Tucker Tucker's show on the dark web. And uh, Laura Ingram, who I have uh, at best mixed feelings about, uh, she did clerk back in the day, and uh, she mm-hmm. I believe said it was Scalia. She was Scalia. Who, Got got all the he got all the uh, clerks together, forty of them on day one, and basically uh, made it quite clear in no uncertain terms that they would not be leaking anything from their privileged status as Supreme Court clerks. This is not uh, uh, this is something apparently that is drilled into these clerks. Yep. It's not done. Now I have yet to hear anybody say that there's some federal statute that was violated. It's just the practice. Oh of no no the no court. no! Wait wait! These are attorneys, Dowd. So it's almost client privilege attorney As type an status. Of the court, so you are, the person you have that leaks an ethical standard. Yeah. Yes, so the yes. person that leaks it out will actually be prosecuted. Um, and and I can't, you know, whatever consequences are coming for whoever this is, I have uh, zero sympathy. And I, I'm not exactly sure what I, the worst case scenario is. The possibility of violence against one of these justices. I know some people were trotting that out as a possibility. Um, clearly, it, it's almost unimaginable to to think of any other uh, anything other than nefarious purposes uh, for this. But Eddie, I would like to say, as if we're going to talk about Roe v. Wade, 
and I've kept this list for, for, for many, many, many a year. <clears throat> who gave us Roe v. Wade, one of the worst decisions? It's so funny because there are people who think abortion is a wonderful thing, but they're legal scholars at the same time. And occasionally one of them will come forward and say, this is the most convoluted pretzel logic decision ever written by the court. It's just a god-awful mess. Who gave us <clears throat> um, Roe v. Wade? Which political party gave us uh, Roe v. Wade, you conservative Republicans? Which political party? Well, um, seven men were in the majority in Roe v. Wade in 1973. Uh, and uh, Douglas, the, the justice, and Marshall, uh, Douglas was appointed by FDR and Marshall was appointed by LBJ. But the other five in that seven decision majority, Blackman, Brennan, Stewart, Powell, and Berger, oh, they were all appointed to the court by Republicans, Eisenhower and Nixon. Ew, that's a little bit of history that, you know, maybe our Republican partisans want dropped down the memory hole. Um, we had a lot of this bad This is the justices. only radio station in the entire country who could possibly even give you this stuff. Yes, yes. There's literally uh, not another person who's going to put the Like, this is the reason why you listen to us. Because now you just realize it was Republicans who brought you Roe v. Wade. The people who turned their back on Lincoln, the people who turned their back on this great country, it, let's not forget the true idea of republicanism, the true idea of real republicanism came from real Republicans, not from rhinos. It was rhinos who allowed Roe v. Wade to come through. Uh, and of the two men who uh, dissented, the two justices who dissented, the I think the longer, in terms of page numbers, I believe the dissent from Byron Wizer White, the very famous Wizer White, which is just brilliant in its uh, in its dissent. Uh, I find nothing in the language or history of the Constitution to support this court's judgment. The court simply fashions and announces a new constitutional right for pregnant women, and with scarcely any reason or authority for its action, invests that right with sufficient substance to override most existing state abortion statutes. The upshot is that the people and the legislatures of the 50 states are constitutionally disentitled to weigh the relative importance of the continued existence and development of the fetus on the one hand against a spectrum of possible impacts on the woman. On the other hand, as an exercise of raw judicial power, this court perhaps uh, uh, has authority to do what it does today, but in my view, its judgment is an improvident and extravagant exercise of the power of judicial review that the Constitution extends to this court, a blistering dissent from Byron Wizard White, and he was appointed to the court by Democrat John F. Kennedy. So uh, maybe things don't always break down in partisan terms, folks. That's maybe why people like me don't care about political partisanship. We care about principle. John F. Kennedy, a Catholic doubt. Yep. There you go. Yep. A Just draft a fun, fun history fact, you know. Hey, history, fact. history you're not supposed to know. There it is. A draft opinion circulated among Supreme Court justices suggests a majority of them have thrown support behind overturning 1973 case Roe v. Wade that legalized abortion nationwide. This might be Trump's revenge, and this might be the legacy that he wants to leave behind. Trump, abandon your truth network. Get rid of it. That will be your demise. It will give pop media, mainstream media, all the people out there a reason to discount you. Just just completely and totally just deconstruct it. You are absolutely going to get toppled by Twitter. Focus instead on your justices 
potentially overturning this. And then the 2000 mules or whatever that happens to be that film. And then focus on that and then say, I'm not running today. Make make a statement. I'm not running for 2024. And I'm going to go ahead and throw after DeSantis wins the Florida governorship. We know that DeSantis has the votes that we need in that Florida and go ahead and start and turn the rest of the country, just like Florida. Okay. Margaritas and you know, money. That's what we want right by the beach. That's what we need to be our focus going forward. <sighs> Supreme court has uh, yet to issue a ruling in the case, but may as well have ruled now that it's been leaked. Okay. Because it is going to be forthcoming. Now it's a matter of staging it. And this is what the liberals want. Like, let's think, let's take a step back and let's look at way the liberals want it. Oh, we're not going to let that happen. Now we're going to stack the courts. Conversation is now going to the Senate. You have a, a crazy nut job, Elizabeth Warren, woohoo! The uh, tribe and everything else that she like, she's going to go crazy out up on the uh, Supreme Court. The woman doesn't have a uh, brain cell to to part with, honestly. And she's going to be out there yammering on, as well as I don't know, Deb Holland. Like, take your pick of every single liberal crazy woman that's out there. And I do. Let me say this: liberal crazy woman. Did I already say uh, uh, about our uh, congressional uh, representative? She's a lesbian. I don't know what else to say. Okay. I do have a moon on my shirt, ironically enough, today. Ruled by the moon. It says, uh, into the AM, by the way. All right, let's continue. You can't see me because I'm not on uh, rockoftalk.tv. It wouldn't fire today. The draft is signed by Alito, who was appointed by former President George W. Bush. Republican Party issuing a statement. Republican Party welcomes the historic decision. Good move on their part to go ahead and state that. Yeah, just to go ahead and say, okay, we're going to consolidate. We're going to take this 20% of the pie of the New Mexico pie and like you can't touch it. The Roe v. Wade will solidify that and then you build upon that going forward. So good job on that uh, by Curtis and et al. RPNM commends the justice in their recognition that the measure of a person or society is how they protect the vulnerable, those with the least voice. Supreme Court decision is the best interest of our nation it protects the unborn, according to Chairman Steve Pierce. The justices have upheld and recognized their duty to protect the lives of the unborn and abolish the horrors of abortion. Why don't we hear from a woman? Okay. We'll go to uh, Crystal Diamond here. Um, <clears throat> there's some musings that she might be running for governor of the state of New Mexico in uh, 2026. Mm. Should it not work out for Ron Ketty? That's what I'm hearing. Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization written by Alito indicates that the U.S. Supreme Court is poised to overturn Roe v. Wade. She says in the court that would the law would uh, govern abortion access in the state. Senate Bill, 20, uh, Bill 10 passed in 2021 and signed into law by Governor Michelle Lujan Grisham. Repealed the state's abortion laws in New Mexico would remain one of the many states where abortion would remain legal. So the double-edged sword in all of this is that New Mexico and the state's rights stuff would be autonomous and probably foster, this is uh, to my point earlier, that we would have even more abortions in the state of New Mexico. Down. There'd yep. be no doubt about it. Oklahoma doing what they do. New Mexico doing what we do, which is murder babies. She says, as New Mexicans, we can no longer shirk our duty to stand on this issue. We must address it with a compassion for women without compromising our ultimate duty to defend the life of the innocent. I hope and pray that a majority of the justices 
have the fortitude to stand by the decision so our nation can heal and move forward in a post-Roe culture that cherishes human life at every stage. Now, impact. That's what liberals are trying to do. Midterm elections. What will it do? Increase the number of protests, create a greater number of turnout, turnout, uh, uh, cause consternation, a number of families, women withholding sex uh, from their husbands, women uh, acting like they're the center of the universe because men are trying to be, I don't know, patriarchal, dominate their bodies, uh, tell them what to do with whatever. It's not about that. Okay? This is just simple preserve life or promote death, I think, at this point. There's nothing else that can be said. I'm not a woman. In all honesty, I cannot commit to actually having a valid, honest opinion on this. But I can insofar as if I know a woman who has life, she should support it. Most men, husbands, boyfriends, I don't know, casual acquaintances, there's no way you can know whether or not the person that you've been with is pregnant. Okay? Nor can you control that. So I think that's kind of where it starts and stops. I think the support for the female as the sort of dominant presence in any family, in any institution. What do we have? People who have, uh, what, what is it, maternal um, leave. You have uh, maternal support, support for the mother. I believe we have Mother's Day coming in. Like there's so many ways that women can capitalize on this, but specifically is they know themselves to be the center of the family. You cannot have a family without a woman. Simply cannot exist. So there's some real advantages to this. Now, conservatives, here's where you, here's where you fail. This is where you lose. You lose. When you start getting on social media and you start telling people, well, you don't want an abortion? Well, don't have sex. Shut up. Shut up. Okay? Stop that type of preaching. It doesn't gather one additional vote. That kind of judgmental a-hole viewpoint of the world where, oh, they don't know what to do. You, you say, hey, we want to support you. You got pregnant, and here's what we want to do. Not, hey, judgment, you had sex. You got pregnant. You better have that baby, and if you don't, you're going to hell. No, 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 that's not going to help. That's not going to encourage anybody to have one less abortion. It just isn't, okay? Republicans have to adopt this level of compassionate conservatism in all this. They need to be in the trenches, in the inner cities, okay? We all know that the number one race that has abortion is African-Americans. This is where they can actually uh, capitalize. And go in and support African American families. Okay. Engage, employ, empower, push. We will support you. Jobs, support with church. What do we know about African Americans? They love family and they love church. They love community. Best way to get it <laughs> through the church. Best way to get support. And where do you get your write-offs, especially for you Republicans, right? Oh, you make money. Where do you want to donate that money? Donate it to churches, 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 churches. Okay. This is easy stuff, folks. Unfortunately, it gets all lost in the spiking the football, 
the machismo. Hey, we got Roe v. Wade, dog. We win in 1973. No, you're not. You're not. You're about to lose it. Because you have to make the cultural argument to support these people who get themselves into trouble, who cannot support a family. And it's not through government subsistence. Having more children to get more bennies from the government is not a way to go ahead and create better families. Let's be a little bit more compassionate on this win if it's coming through. Let's take advantage. We get to play it all the way through. But as a campaign issue, you're not going to win on Roe v. Wade. It doesn't help you during the midterms. Just like Elon Musk and championing him as a big conservative doesn't help you as as well. It doesn't help you. He's a pot-smoking, green energy, electric car-making businessman, if you can even call it that. Nothing to do with uh, Republicans and conservatives. He was subsidized literally by the federal government and has become the richest guy in the world with $230 billion right now. That's an important point to make in all of this. 550, 50, 500. That's 550, 500. So we can assume the close on Roe v. Wade. What we can't assume in all of this is how it's going to play out politically. Republicans would do well to not gloat on this, not spike the football, And basically say, okay, we'll wait to see if it's confirmed. But in the meantime, we need to do what we can to support these families and these people and and engage these people to create bigger and better places. Because I'll tell you, though, the number one group of people who are creating the most families is who? Immigrants. People, I mean, look at the pictures I took and I posted. I need to post more from from, uh, Twitter. Like, how do these people appreciate this country so much? How do these people go to our Capitol, go to our Washington Monument, go to all these people and like, oh my, look at this. Look what's happening in this beautiful country. Look, I'm, I'm glad to be here. It's so much better than, you know, X, Y, Z, the places that I'm from. And there's, they're celebrating it. Mexicans, Central Americans, South Americans, Europeans, Asians, Middle Easterns, they're all there. You know who is not in the Capitol celebrating the independence and the opportunity? Yeah, white Americans. Rich whitey. Yeah, not doing it. All right, Dowd, your comments. Uh, Eddie, I'm really glad you raised the issue of uh, viewing this not as a spiking the football and and, and employing the the armies of compassion as uh, George the awful George H.W. Bush or oh no no George W. Bush I used to I think used to say that um, one of the greatest slanders against social conservatives in this country. And uh, again, this is the atheist heathen speaking. One of the greatest slanders against social conservatives in in, our, in the United States by the left is that, uh, what's that one? They, they care about uh, uh, children up to the point of birth. And after that, they don't care. Conser- you know, Christian conservative groups, religious groups of, of varying types have massive resources to help women in the quote-unquote crisis pregnancies. Uh, one of the great joys of my life was donating a lot of the equipment that I bought when my nephew had to have his separate set of cribs and all that stuff up at the farm um, when he grew up and didn't need any of that stuff. Uh, my mother has long been a supporter of an organization in north central Connecticut called Birthright 
they help women with health care and, and, and strollers and, and cribs. And, you know, they just help the women who are troubled with a pregnancy they didn't necessarily plan or maybe didn't even necessarily want at the start. That's just one organization in probably thousands, if not tens of thousands of organizations are out, that are out there. Uh, I greatly admire, I think, a lot of Christian social conservatives put their money where their mouth is. They are against abortion and they are also willing to help uh, women who are, uh, you know, fall into a circumstance they don't necessarily want. The other element of this, Eddie, is the, in terms of the polling, it's, it's kind of interesting because the numbers over the decades, the numbers do change on abortion. Uh, Gallup's most recent was in, I think about mid 2020. So it's fairly a summer of 2020. So it's fairly current back in 96, only 18% of the people they polled indicated that they would vote for a candidate only if the candidate's views on abortion were in alignment with the voter. That went up from 18% to 30% uh, would only vote for pro-life, you know, pro-choice, however you want to define it. It's kind of interesting. 90% of people pro-choice, single-issue voters, uh, and then uh, let's see, impressive 30% single-issue pro-life uh, voters, okay? pretty evenly split when it comes to just what are you your views on this abort on this issue 48 percent claim to be pro-choice 46 percent pro-life so that's where the kind of the the, the polling data are my, my view on this eddie is the people who are and i sent you a link a little earlier to a topless woman at unm yesterday who apparently was walking oh, yeah. around topless yep, yep. with you know your hands off my body uh these women they they, they really don't like to they, what if they i put my hands like on her body am I, am I the one that's assaulting her or is she assaulting uh, me with her no, I, I love the theory of oh uh, everything is sexualized and objectified but uh these feminist activists always get topless to get their political point across so they're they're fine with being objectified when it comes to promoting their ideology or their politics so maybe, maybe a little bit of hypocrisy there um those kind of people are trump derangement syndrome government employee grad student people who live and breathe leftism anyway so the idea that they can they don't there's not a lot of room for them to boost their numbers these people are extremely politically involved even in off-year elections you know things like midterms so i don't know that i see this having uh big political implications to me the much bigger issue uh and there was a poll a couple days ago 94 percent of people are concerned or worried about inflation um American people are practical. They they pay for gas every week or every few days. They may care about abortion, but boy, those dollars and cents kitchen table issues generally matter more in elections for most people. So I don't see this having a huge impact. Uh, I think the number one issue in this country, if the polling's to be believed, remains people not being able to afford to live. Uh, and I still see a, a pretty significant uh, annihilation of Democrats in November, uh, you know, provided that nothing significantly changes. So uh, don't, don't, Declare victory, you Democrats, that you're going to you know, liberal Democrats are going to be able to get their numbers out in, in, in you know, in, in huge, huge percentages. Uh, the kind of people who care about going around topless and saying, get your hands off my body. There are people who vote every election. No matter I, what. These I'm totally OK with women. Elections. I'm totally OK with women going out there topless. In fact, what's the over under on new subscriptions for the day, Dowd? <laughs> in fact, here I'm willing to challenge our audience uh, tonight at 631. If you okay. subscribe, if you subscribe to the rock of talk chat and all references to all things, Twitter, all things, free speech, you will see some amazing tatas from an absolutely, uh, unbelievable, uh, protester who we disagree with on every front with the exception of her 
uh, basically showing her breasts on the University of New Mexico campus. Now, you want uh, that one right at the top of the show notes? I, I, I would like that at the top of the show notes. And for subscribers only, for subscribers, <laughs> subscribers only, only, everything <laughs> is blocked out. You'll get it uh, at... Uh, You'll get it tonight at 9 p.m. We'll make sure that the, all that stuff is posted so you can see it. And then she's got uh, her uh, pentagram just in time for May Day, uh, oh. interestingly enough. Yeah, but yeah, I, I would say that uh, God has blessed her greatly, even though she does acknowledge a God. So, well, you know, folks, I do have uh, editorial control over rocketalk.chat. <clears throat> in this case, <clears throat> I will uh, <clears throat> happily defer Thank to you. Uh, Mr. Aragon, yes. and I will grant his uh, suggestion Thank you. that we will have that particular we photo We need five at subscribers the tonight. The, the top of the show now. Subscribers only. Subscribers <laughs> only for the uh, picture of the tatas. Give the people what they want, Eddie, is my... Give is the my people... <laughs> Give the people what they want. There you go. You know, subscribers are only, don't try to break through our paywall for this. This is real. This is going to be our first uh, real paywall there, deep down to Muska. All right. 550, 5,500. I think we're done with, uh, you know, um, Roe versus Wade. I think let's list Las Vegas and Blackstone. Now, uh, let me get back to my parents on this. Here's what's happening in Las Vegas, Nevada. The, the real estate market is nutty. It's crazy. I'm in the middle of a real estate transaction. Not going well. Not happy. Okay. Not happy whatsoever. But here's what, sorry, I'm still looking at the Tatas. Let me move out of this. There it is. I'm not going to tell you where else you can find them because I don't want you to go there. I want you to go to become a subscriber for, uh, yeah, I think, I think she might end up getting stalked after this and then probably filing a complaint uh, down after she's getting stalked. Yeah, she, this is, this could be the launch of her career. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I think I think it is. She's uh, not doing a bad job in launching her career. Uh, but on to other things, the real estate market. Okay, Blackstone is out buying all sorts of real estate. Where are they buying it? In the fastest growing cities. Why are they doing it? Because they can drive up rents, and you're going to keep paying it. What have we heard? You're going to own nothing, and you're going to. Be happy. Like it. <laughs> Be happy. Okay. So this is interesting because there's a bit of a shift in the, the city that I call my second hometown, Las Vegas, Nevada. Las Vegas, Nevada is on the brink of flipping the script. Used to have a lot of exposure to, you know, one or two things, which is disposable income. Not the case going forward. It has diversified its economy, and Blackstone is bullish on Las Vegas, Nevada. Second thing, and I'm going to tie it to something that might be disassociated with uh, Las Vegas because they're now they're pulling out barrels with bodies at the bottom of Lake Mead. Have you seen this out? Have you have you seen? I it? did. I actually I just signed up for my private Twitter account, and uh, as we know, those of us who are students of Las Vegas history, um, Harry Reid was referred to as clean faced by the mob there, Ooh, their guy on wow. the gaming commission. And so I tweeted out, hmm, they're saying this body's uh, several decades old. Who was ticking Harry Reid off the most in the 1980s? There it is. Um, what's really interesting is no water is going to be coming. I think we're fourth in line, fifth in line. You should do an article about uh, where we are on the, uh, the water rundown. Nevada is first and second. Arizona's first and second. You have Colorado. You have some of the other states who are. Guess who's not getting the water? They're penting up all that water and they're keeping it now. And we're not going to be getting it. So the drought that you have here that's starting all the fires in northern New Mexico isn't going to be improving the state of New Mexico, ladies and gentlemen. We get fed by the Colorado River. I don't know how many people actually know that here, Doug. 
Does anybody know that? Yeah, we, we are fed. We have a huge aquifer. We have plenty of, uh, of water, but we certainly would like to go ahead and have that. Now, what's happening in the, uh, the city of Las Vegas, Nevada, it is suffering from its own success. Too many people coming in, too many resources being consumed, prices going up, and it's becoming unaffordable. Blackstone doesn't care. Blackstone knows that more and more people are going to be searching for money because that's what ultimately Las Vegas translates to. When I was there in 2007 through 2009, we took it in the shorts very badly. I was there for uh, five years. And during that time, everything just basically got scrubbed. I mean, cleaned out, period. Going forward, Blackstone's going to continue to amplify that market. And I dare say the same thing is going to happen in Phoenix, Arizona, and other big cities. There is an opportunity here for Albuquerque, New Mexico, and for the rest of the state. And that is, it's affordable to live. Those places that I just mentioned are no longer going to be affordable to live. Ultimately, the success of New Mexico might be dependent directly upon the hedge funds that invest in other places. Hard to believe that. That was my takeaway from the article that you shared with me, Dowd. And I was like, okay, I see what's happening in Las Vegas, but it's going to be completely and totally economically unsustainable. Your thoughts on uh, that Blackstone article? Well, it was interesting, Eddie. I, I sent it to you. Uh, it's from the Las Vegas Sun, which is uh, a paper owned by the uh, <clears throat> Greenspun family, who uh, oh, yeah. they, uh, they're, uh, actually had a lot of gangster involvement too i won't i won't even go into that um we uh, we had a lot of fights with the greenspun family back in my days in las vegas but they did run a column of mine a couple of years ago which was in the las oh, vegas on okay. which was amazing uh and shocking what, what really was fascinating to me eddie and and it's <sighs> vegas is such an interesting place and i've been going there the last couple of years with my my, my crazy scottish and, and going again too. this year doug Going again in August, um, and, and uh, for my big fiftieth, and oh, we got the we got the steakhouse lined out, and I mean, we're going to back to Red Eight, the Chinese place, and all of our. Oh, our I love pods. Red Eight. Red Eight in the wind. It's good. It's very good. Oh yeah, wow, good that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know anybody. We else did last that. time. We did a three family style order where we had uh, beef lo mein. Oh gosh, uh, a cashew chicken, and I think my sister got the vegetables, and we just were you know grabbing pieces of it from all of our different plates. Um, what, what fascinated me, Eddie, is. Living in a place in the West that is not growing versus so many other places in the West that are booming. And when you have Blackstone, it doesn't, you know, the name doesn't get bigger than Blackstone. And to have one of their officials say, we're big, this is a quote, we're big believers in Las Vegas. And the thing that uh, impressed me about this guy, guy's comments, because when I lived in Las Vegas, the endless lament was, we only have gambling. We have nothing else to offer. We've got to diversify our economy. And he's talking about business, sports, entertainment, healthcare, finance, all these other uh, diversification growths that are happening in, in Las Vegas. And to live in a state and in a metro area in the American West, our, our beloved American Intermountain West, that just is seeing this growth and this dynamism just walk right by it. And it's, and it's almost as if the Luhan Grishams and the Heinrichs of the world, they, they're just, they're fine with it. They're perfectly fine with it. So this guy, I don't know if you saw it my way, Eddie, but this guy's uh, enthusiasm for Vegas was kind of right. infectious. Yep. And, and I, I kind of thought, he's a well, sales you know, guy. He's a sales guy. Yeah. But, but he also, he brought the data too, in terms of why they were bullish. I mean, they're investing their investors money. They investors want to return on this. And so no, could Albuquerque ever, I mean, there's only one Las Vegas on planet earth. But what if you had a public policy architecture that was as pro 
capitalism as pro risk taking as Las Vegas does. Yes, there's some corruption, but basically the, the posture from the powers that be in Las Vegas is come here, make it big, take big risks, try crazy things. We want you here, which, which is the opposite of New Mexico, which is, well, you might be able to come here if you have the kind of business we want. And if you play political ball, it's just an entirely different attitude, Eddie. And it's just sad to see that New Mexico could be thriving. I don't know that any place could thrive the way Vegas thrives, but New Mexico could be so much better off with a better approach. And we just continue to mire in the muck where we are. I don't know that that will stop unless we changed our mentality. And that's what we have to do uh, here in the state of New Mexico. And part of uh, changing that mentality is, of course, becoming a subscriber directly at rockoftalk.chat. That's rockoftalk.chat. Every morning at 4 a.m., you can get all the news that is uh, fit to blast at 4 a.m. directly into your in inbox, and uh, D. Muska has that. Dad, I want to thank you for uh, holding the fort down along with Eric. Eric, good job doing what you do uh, while I was out in Washington, D.C., and uh, just as a quick primer of all the things I've been up to, Miami to meet with people, Washington, D.C. to meet with people, uh, out in Phoenix, Arizona with uh, one of our affiliates, uh, Skyview, uh, which is uh, very good. I'm doing everything that I can to go ahead and expand the network. It seems to, it seems to me that you don't want to expand it here in the state of New Mexico. A lot of you guys want to continue to attack me, and that's totally fine, but we got to continue to expand ourselves outside of the state, and that's exactly what I am doing uh, day in, day out, and uh, leveraging one of the most intelligent guys in the entire country anywhere, telling you things that only you can hear right here. Dowd, I apologize uh, for always uh, chasing you on this stuff uh, because I know that uh, you're ahead of the curve and always on time and very fastidious about what you do, and for that we appreciate you. And uh, same with Eric uh, being uh, you know, a devoted uh, listener of the radio station. But the Rock of Talk is just going to get better uh, going forward. So thanks on uh, to all of you who are staying on board. And uh, for those of you who do, you get the blast directly in your inbox. And your top five blast for today, the fourth day of May. May the fourth be with you. I've been waiting all show just to say that. Yeah. D-Dowd uh, Muscat, give us our top five. Yeah, these are the links you folks clicked on the most. I put out the links. You decide what uh, what matters most. Number one, a great piece on how to fight back against the social justice warriors. Never, never apologize. Uh, that was run over in the UK. Great piece. Number two, something near and dear to my heart because it's the first place I stopped four years ago when I came back to New Mexico. K-Bob's coming back to Tucumcari. They've been away for a few years, and they're coming back awesome news. I'm so glad Woo! that people picked it as number two. Uh, number three, five times the Democrats have insisted that the Supreme Court must be obeyed. This is a piece from the Federalist. Now they're saying we need to resist the Supreme Court, but when it comes to decisions they like, you can't disagree. A little more hypocrisy there. Uh, number four, oh, and number five, Lujan Grisham, her comments on the leak from the Supreme Court, and Martin Heinrich's comments on the leak from the Supreme Court. Sometimes people, I just put the links out there for us to all laugh at. That was a case here today. All right, Dowd, I appreciate you. See you tomorrow bright and early for our Thursday edition right here in the Kiva on AM 1600KIVABQ.FM and rockoftalk.com. Thanks, everybody, for uh, tuning in. And we're going to go out to you and me here from Lifehouse from a uh, yeah, great 90s hit. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. This clock never seems so alive I can't keep up And I can't back down I've been losing so much time
Cause there's you and me And all other people Nothing to do Nothing to lose And it's you and me And all other people And I don't know why I can't keep my eyes off of you